People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. Welcome back wrestling fans, this is episode 27 of the 20x20 Ring Crew. I am your host, Joe. I'm here with my brother, Matt. What's up, Matt? What's going on? We are watching Ring of Honor, their second show ever. Happened on March 30th, 2002. And uh, we just witnessed a leg break, or at least an ankle break. I'm not even sure who that was. It was fucking gross, so I'll tell you that much. As you see, a very young Briscoe brothers. The Briscoe, the them boys. boys. Good God, they're so they're they're babies. I love how they were in wrestling gear. <laughs> <laughs> very young. Um, oh God, I'm having a brain fart, man. Help me out. Oh, right there. That's, yes, that's, uh, that's the Brian Kendrick. Thank you, the Before Brian. He was the very young Brian Kendrick in the ring. Those pants. He's got some very loose pants on. And his wrestling boots look like old people New Balance. <laughs> um, yeah, that that leg break or that ankle break was disgusting. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Um, nevertheless, uh, we're back for another episode here this week uh, after our last episode, which we uh, we had talked about uh, the Evolve and Progress shows that we went to a couple weeks ago. And, um, man, it's just, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. It really is. So much shit going on. So many, so many, uh, places to go and, and cards to see and, and all of that. It's, it's awesome. We got All In coming up here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a little over a week. Can't wait. I'm super excited. I was looking at, uh, t-shirts. I think I'm going to buy one of the. The commem- commemorative T-shirts. Yeah, they got. Looks like they got a few exclusives for the event. So I, I've already told the wife. It's like, look, we uh, we're not going to be netting that week. Like, I'm just gonna <laughs> anything that we have, any kind of <laughs> any kind of extra money we have to spend. I'm 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 spending it all. So. Spending it all. That's what all the raises were for. <laughs> That's for all win. It says that on your check stub. It does. Yeah. <laughs> It just says all in, you know, your, your regular work week, overtime, all in money. <laughs> so we, we, we've been talking a lot about indie wrestling lately. Yes. And uh, again, uh, we're, we're just in the midst of a boom and it's, it's awesome. And we're, we hope you're going on the, uh, the same kind of ride we're going and trying to go out there and watch indie wrestling and, and well, wrestling in general, but, um. Indie wrestling near you, uh, indie wrestling on streams, on YouTube, however you can find it, digest and absorb professional wrestling, folks. That's that's what we're, we're here to help you do. With that in mind, there was a big event that you and I really didn't cover too much because we were kind of waiting until we had uh, proper time to do so, yeah. and that is the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 2018, which is uh, 28th annual overall. Um, 
one of the most prestigious tournaments going on in professional wrestling today. In any company. In any company. Yes. Um, it was from July 14th through August 12th. And uh, you get you have uh, two blocks for those who are, are not familiar. You have a block A and a block B. Um, each night of the tour had alternating blocks. So night one was block A, night two was block B, and so forth and so on. Uh, they begin each show with uh, mixed tag team matches uh, with participants and non-participants yeah. in the tournament, and it's to give you a preview of to what of what's to come for the following night. So, um, you know, if Tomohiro Ishii was in a match with Toriyano in a tag match with other partners. Eventually, you would see them the next night fight each other. That's kind of the way it goes. Yeah. How do you want to do this? You want to go night by night? Do you, did did wow. you watch it all? You know what? There was there was some some shows that I missed given the uh, the, the family situation going on. Yes. Uh, so I didn't watch every single show, but uh, and I've I've have gone back to watch some, but uh, I, you know I've seen enough. I've seen enough, and I. However you want to do it, I'll, I'll follow your lead. But um, I tell you, I tell you this right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not watched it, and if we hopefully pique your interest by talking about it again, because we have brought it up before, do yourself a favor and get that New Japan World subscription because it's all in English, all nineteen shows. First time ever. First time ever, too. That's a big deal. You know, I, actually, we're watching the Ring of Honor show real quick here, the the second annual. I'm thinking back because I was I was 12 when the when the show happened, and it's like even as a kid I would have loved to have been in in the the world that we live in today, where I can come home from school, throw on something on the internet, and watch wrestling all the time. I didn't have to wait for Monday nights or Dude, Thursday that, nights. You know what? I never thought of that. That's a good fucking point. I I too. Oh my god. You know, growing up, I would I would I had access to stuff like that, but. It wasn't as readily available, right? You know, I do remember coming home, and uh, you know, I couldn't wait to watch Clash of the Champions yeah. whenever they had a Clash of right, the Champions right. or something like that. But yeah, it wasn't all the time. It was it was cool uh, for me. It was TNA. They're my freshman and sophomore year of high school. TNA on TV or the TNA on pay, TV? The pay per views? Yeah, no, the regular team okay. when I was on Fox Sports. Oh yeah, okay. Because it was Friday afternoon. At, at 3 o'clock, so as soon as I got home from the bus, I had, I had wrestling to watch. Even if it was just for an hour. But it was a good way to start off your weekend. Friday Friday afternoon wrestling. And it, it was very old school, because you always... For me, growing growing up, it was... Yeah, there used to be, like, Saturday morning wrestling and all that stuff. And it's like... That'd be cool. That'd be cool <laughs> to have that. I, I never had that. I had, you know, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Wednesday nights for Thunder for a while. That shitty show. You know... <laughs> I had Friday nights and Saturday nights with ECW, but that was again. That's it wasn't as readily available, and I'm obviously I'm preaching to the choir for all our <laughs> fans my age and older fans. It's like yeah, we know, but like it's so cool. Like now, no matter if you're you know an adult or if you're a kid, you know you have wrestling available all the time. All the time. There's no excuse. Like, well, there, I don't there, like this. Yeah, but there is. Watch this instead. Yeah, there really is no excuse, and and that's uh, that's kind of the sore spot with us lately. Is like 
you get all these people who who we've talked to and yeah like we're so bored with the product yeah yeah, and you're like you know what you there's a plethora of other options out there paid and unpaid you know i mean you can go on youtube and most of the places who have streaming services will give you full free matches on youtube yep i mean you might not get a whole show but what you get is what you get and and it's not like you're necessarily missing out i mean the it's free to to give you a taste. I mean, you're you're going to be watching quality content. Exactly, and that that includes international stuff like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Progress has free stuff Progress, on YouTube. Progress, Rev Pro, Define Wrestling has uh they, they their weekly show is aired every uh, every Friday on YouTube at four or three o'clock Central Time. Because again, we are from Illinois, but so figure out the, the the time in your in your own area but it's it's a live stream so when they go live in, in the uk they're going live on youtube all around the world every week that's awesome you know monthly pay-per-views that yeah you have to pay for but again their weekly shows are free on their channel you don't have to pay anything you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to subscribe to their channel although i would recommend to give them support but uh yeah it's a lot of companies are just saying here here's our product yeah. If, if 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 not giving you the whole thing, they're, they're giving you a really big piece, not a really big taste, not just a, a little glimpse, little highlights here and there. They'll give you full matches. And like, hey, we got way more of this if you want to come subscribe and this and that. And again, with, with New Japan Pro Wrestling World, it's it's nine bucks, nine or ten bucks. Uh, you know, again, we, you know, we pay in yen, so it's like it's kind of weird how it fluctuates, but. You know, you got the international currency thing going on, but anyways, it's about eight, nine, eight, anywhere from eight to to ten bucks, somewhere along those lines. <laughs> it's relatively cheap. You know, you're paying either the same amount or less as you would for the WWE Network. And and they have quite a bit of content on there already, and they're exclusive stuff, yeah, interviews, exclusive. things things you don't necessarily think you would see or have access to is on there. I mean, you you have uh, Ric Flair, you have uh, Vader, yeah. you have, you have uh, and in multiple decades too. I mean, there's stuff on there from the the seventies, seventies, all the way from seventy two, which is their first year. Yeah, so you get you get a, a good healthy mix of everything, and and again, not everything is in English, but. They are working on that. Yes. And they are making a lot more English comment uh, commentary or English translations available. So, um, But it's definitely worth worth it um, for the 8 to 10 bucks a month. There's a fuck ton of shit on there. You have 19 shows in a span of a, of a month for this tournament that has so much significance. Again, the winner... Get to IWGP Heavyweight Championship match at Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom, as we said before on the show, is, and I hate doing this, but the equivalent to WrestleMania <laughs> as far as New Japan goes. You know, as far as the, the spectacle, it's not WrestleMania. WrestleMania is bigger, but as far as the overall production, it, WrestleMania's got nothing on Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Not oh, even yeah. close. And you can, you can challenge me on that all day long. You'd be wrong all day long. <laughs> but um, G128, man, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about going through through every every show again because I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch every single one, but let's go all the way back to night one. 
Okay. And let's go. Let, let's let's start with the main event. That would be uh, Jay White and Kazuchika Okada, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's correct. Yes. All right. So yeah. Jay Jay White defeats Kazuchika Okada by a pinfall. Yes. That's, that's night one right away. And one of the greatest story, like, okay, going into G1, you had the G1 special in San Francisco where it ended with the Tongans turning on the rest of the Bullet Club and staking claim that they were, they are the real Bullet Club. And now that you have Tamatonga in the in Block B with Kenny Omega, that's really like, holy shit, like, that's going to be interesting. We'll see where this goes. And, you know, Bad Luck Fale staked his claim where he was the one that gave the order, essentially. Hangman Page is in his his block. And it's like, oh, man, things have got really interesting. Like, let, let's see where this goes. Jay White, at that same show, lost the United States heavyweight title to Juice Robinson. And what's now been a controversial match because of the Jim Ross situation. But he loses the title. He, he's, he's in this tournament. And he's kind of one of those guys that you look at. It's like, I could see him doing well. But more than likely, he's not going to be a threat to take this to take this block. Okay. I I, I could I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a push, but you know he's kind of like that borderline guy. Goes in there against Kazuchika Okada, who is coming off of the Dominion loss to Kenny Omega, where he lost the title after holding on to it for over or almost two years, over or almost one or two, but let's call it a two year reign, and. You and I, when we started talking about the G1, making our predictions, Kazuchika Okada was one of the front runners. He was my pick. I, I don't remember off the top of my head if he was yours, but he was my pick to take block A. He was not my pick. Okay, he wasn't your pick. Um, so you have uh, you have this match. It's the first match. It's chaos versus chaos, which is not uncommon. You're gonna this is what's gonna happen in this tournament. You're gonna have guys on the same teams face each other. It happens every year now. But then, Jay White, you know, it, it starts off as, you know, a, a, a good, clean fight, or at least as clean as a Jay White match can be at this point. <laughs> and then you see you see the change. And it's by any means necessary he's going to take this match. He, he is not going to lose this match because he is going to break every single rule in the book to get a victory over Kazuchika Okada. And it just ends in such controversy. Jay White wins the match, as you said. And from that moment, he, he flat out says, that's my Rainmaker, and declaring himself the new leader of Chaos. Rock, to the dismay of Rocky Romero, who was doing commentary, did commentary throughout the entire event, who was also a member of Chaos. But from that first day, like uh, right away, they, 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 you know, you have the Bullet Club situation going on. That's very much an anticipated situation. And it's like, holy shit, I didn't see that one coming. That definitely set the tone for the, for the entire tournament. And you do it night one. Yeah. That, that was, that was major. Great booking. Yeah. That was very major. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to step off to the side here. Let's, okay. let's talk about Jay White. Uh, you know, you just said we. He was he was the on the fence guy. You know, yeah. he, obviously they're pushing him, but like just how far are they going to push yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. 
He ends up with 12 points for the entire tournament, which is not too shabby. Yeah. Given that no. given that that this was his first go around. Third place in the, in yeah, the, in third, the pool. Right, third place overall. More importantly here, aside from him trying to take over Chaos, he beat Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Two huge, those are like career-making victories. The guys who end up finishing the top two in, in, yeah. the, in the pool. So He defeats, yeah. Let's, let's look into the future here. And how, how possible, how viable do you think it is that uh, we see Jay White uh, go after that briefcase before the end of the year? I, I hope they do it. I hope they do it at, uh, more than likely it would come down either, if it's not at going to happen right away at the uh, Destruction Tour, I can see it happening in November with Power Struggle. Jay White, again, he's just, he's quickly becoming this mega heel. And it's, I, got, I'm, I know I'm going to get grief from some people by, by saying this, but it's almost like the old school Kenny Omega where it's like everything he does is just so dashly you hate it. <laughs> you hate it but you you wanna watch more. You do. You, you know? absolutely do. He he's getting so much better in that ring. And then his character is just is so arrogant and it's again so dashly that there's nothing he's not going to do to get what he wants. And I think it's it's very fitting that he be the guy to challenge for that briefcase. I, I agree. That's why I brought it up. I mean, to see to see the evolution of his character in this tournament. You're talking about 19 shows. Yeah. He he went from uh, he went from Jay White, the Switchblade uh, US Heavyweight Champion to fucking Super Mega Heel. Yeah. You know, all eyes were on him. It was, dude. That's it was, fast. it was nuts. Let me ask you this, though, and, and again, we're 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 kind of jumping around here. Bear with us. Jay White, and uh, if he does challenge for that briefcase, do you think it'd be wise to give it to him? How how dashly do you go with that character, and how big would that be if he's the guy to do that, to take that 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 spot in such a manner, especially if he wins it the same way. That he was winning his matches in, in the G one. I don't. You know what? I don't know. I don't. If if they if they, to you know, to put him in the match is one thing. To give him the brief briefcase is a whole another thing. And right now, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion is Kenny Omega. I don't know if that's the best possible booking for Russell Kingdom. Right. I I don't know that again. I'm on the fence about him. I don't know if he's there yet. As even even though I loved the progression of his character through these 19 shows, mm-hmm. I still don't know if he's the guy. Not quite yet. You know. But then that leads us to another question, like who is the guy? Let's not answer that right now. Yeah. But I'm just saying in general. Um night 1 the tournament results were Toji Makabe defeating Yoshihashi, Hangman Page defeat Bad Luck Fale uh, via DQ, Michael Elgin defeated Evil, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Minoru Suzuki, and then Jay White defeated Kazuchika Okada. 
This is night one. There was a hell of a lot of things going on. <laughs> I mean, the the whole uh, Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, they're, they're being called uh, the Bullet Club OGs and the Bullet Club Elite at right. this point. Yeah. Um, the Bullet Club OGs wasted no time with the interference. Right away, right off the bat, giving shit to Hangman Page. So Hangman Page gets an easy two points courtesy of the OGs. And, again, setting the tone for what would be a long and treacherous 19 shows for the Bullet Club. Um, Another story here is Yoshihashi, man. You know, I've had access to the New Japan product for um, quite some time now. And it gets brought up more often than not where Yoshihashi is on the fence like, does he even belong on the roster anymore? That's extreme, you know. And you, but you would you would get people like you'd get yeah. you know it, maybe it was just the no. I take that back. It wasn't. It wasn't just the English commentary team. It, it was it was both commentary teams. It was you know other people in the company. They're like you know Yoshihashi. He's got to step it up. Otherwise, he 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 might not have a place on the roster anymore. And you look at him and you're like. Yeah, but dude's fighting injuries, especially with his shoulder. He's had the shoulder injury for like eight or nine months already. And he's wrestled like that the entire time. Like, sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt the same way. Like, man, show me something. (laughs) Do something. You know, someone needed to light a fire under his ass. And maybe, maybe this was... The beginning of that. I mean, because he did have spots within the tournament where, you know, not only did he win, but they were like surprising victories because it was like he showed up. He showed up like a whole different wrestler. And you're like, damn, where's this guy been all this time, you know? And he still wrestled hurt. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was all of a sudden better and this is why he was winning, you know? But that, again, another awesome story out of this tournament is... (laughs) Yoshihashi and and his his just general performance. Um, I was surprised at some of the wins that he got. He got Michael Elgin. Yeah, defeat Michael Elgin. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he beat Hangman Page. I believe so. Yeah. So um, you know, and his performance against Bad Luck Fale. Again, you had Bullet Club interference, but it's like, damn. Where where has this guy been? You know. And 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 I, overall, I think he was still pretty wishy-washy during the tournament. But it was nice to see. It was like a breath of fresh air to see him actually battle back and win some of these matches. The other, the last point for myself here for night one: Tanahashi versus Suzuki. I sat there and watched that match, and I my jaw dropped, and I'm like. Damn, this is night one. You've got 18 more shows to go through. And they're clearly just like, there's zero fucks given. I mean, it's bad enough that you have Suzuki, who is, he's damn near a sadist. And for Tanahashi to kind of answer back and, and, and do, do similar things back to Suzuki, that was just, Intense to watch, but 
you you really couldn't help it. He couldn't help it because Suzuki was beating the ever-loving crap out of Tanahashi. There was more than a handful of times where I winced to myself just watching the match like, damn, that had to hurt. Damn, that had to hurt. <laughs> so this is still one of my, probably like my one of my top three matches, my favorite matches out of this entire tournament. And it happened on night one. Your thoughts? I remember what, you watched it before me. And you, you told like you you post on the in the, on the uh, Facebook page about just that match, like, <laughs> like, like you just a loss of words and facebook.com slash group slash twenty x twenty talk. You were right on the money. So I watched that match, and anytime that you get two guys of that caliber, and I think it's always special too when you have something like and the same thing with with Mexican wrestling with the Japanese wrestlers where you have these seasoned veterans that have been around forever, it seems. And they go at it. They get a chance to have that this kind of platform to perform on. And you have two guys that make very little mistakes in that ring. So every everything that I saw Suzuki do to Tanahashi brought me back to the traditional style of scientific wrestling, but on a more extreme level. Because he wasn't just picking apart, he was picking apart and he was destroying it. I, I'm surprised Tanahashi was able to walk after this match. Still an understatement. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was great. It was great to, to, to see that. And you can tell, too, that Tanahashi was taking it, but he, man, he, he had so much trust in that ring for, for a guy like Suzuki, and you can see that. And that's that's that doesn't get... That gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. When, when guys are getting their asses handed to them like that, that gets overlooked a lot. That it's like, you, it's okay. It's okay that you do this to me. Very good storytelling, very good chemistry in that ring. And it was just, some of the things that they were doing were just, it, it was the same thing. It, it was, I look at the, the actual overall time, and it's, it's hard for me to believe that that was less than 15 minute match. Exactly. You know? Oh my God. You're. You're feeling that pain. You're feeling his pain. And so, if you've ever been in any kind of pain, you know it, like, your mind goes to a different place. Yeah. And it lingers. You lose track of time. Right. And for me, watching that match, I'm like, damn, he's just enduring all this pain, you know, hit after hit. And, <laughs> and I hear, I'm thinking they wrestled, like, 35, 37 minutes. No, less than 15. Yeah, less than 15, so... Yeah, it, it was it was one hell of a fucking way to start that show. That entire show was night one and night two were probably two of my my favorites overall. Yeah, like they they it was hellacious. It was hellacious. <laughs> they knew what uh, what they were doing when they were booking those matches. My God, what a, what a way to start! <laughs> uh, night two was the fifteenth of July in Tokyo. It, it featured B-block matches for the first time. You have uh, Ishii defeating Toriyanu by a pinfall. Tamatonga defeating Juice Robinson. Uh, Hiroki Goto defeating Sonata. Kota Ibushi defeating Zack Sabre Jr. And the main event was Kenny Omega defeating Tetsuya Naito. Again, fucking barn burner after barn burner after barn burner. And you're right, man. This is another awesome night. And 
you know, it's night two, first night of the B block, but talk about set the fucking tone. Any thoughts on night two? Well, of course, I got to start with, with Naito versus Omega. That was, uh, for a lot of people, especially after the Kenny Omega remarks on the uh, on the Japanese wrestler's work ethic and, and hunger for a business, <laughs> <laughs> to see Naito come out there in typical Naito fashion, but but amped up a lot. Yeah. Like, you talk about somebody that had no rush to get in that ring. He was fucking around with his attire. It wasn't even coming <laughs> off correctly. He had the referee come and help take it off. Like, just very, very much just like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck mentality. And then the bell rang and you saw the two go at it. And there was some definitely stiff moments in that match, to say the least. And then, but overall, it just, whatever beef there, there is, if there still is one, uh, outside the ring, what I loved about it is that you didn't really fully see that inside inside that ring. You saw an, an intense matchup. There's no doubt about that. But there was there was no beef in the sense of, well, I'm not doing this because you pissed me off. It was more or less I'm going to outdo you. Whatever whatever you do, I'm going to do better. And that's professional wrestling done right. Yes. So. It was a very good way to end the first round of block matches for both for both blocks. To see those two go at it. Obviously the rematch from from last year in the in the final round that Tetsuya Naito won. To see them go out and do it again. It, it was it was fitting to do it night one as well. Uh, and it was it was a hell of a match. And I personally at this point was, was pulling for Naito. So was I. Um, and I, I'm a huge Kenny Omega fan. I was pulling for Naito in this one, and, and I, was, I wasn't I was disappointed or shocked, but uh, I was, man, I was really, I was really pulling for him to, to, to take that one. And I, I didn't expect Kenny Omega, not to jump ahead too far, but Kenny Omega to, uh, to have the run that he run, that he had right, right off the bat. You know what? I'm not worried about spoilers here. Uh, for those of you listening... It, you have to understand. We're gonna spoil matches for you, but you need to go back and watch these matches. It doesn't matter who, who wins them at this point. Like it does, but it, it doesn't. Yeah. Like go back and watch. And Kevin Kelly even said it. Said it, said it the best when uh, for for the final for the final night. It's he's like, look, you, you know, it's it, it's there for everybody. Anybody who's got jobs or or busy daily lives and, and are trying to play catch up. Like you know, it's it's all there. You know, on the as you plugged the New Japan Pro Wrestling World, that was the best way to do it. Like we understand, it's really hard to watch nineteen show, nineteen three hour, three to four hour long shows, even in a month's time. And, you know, especially if you watch other wrestling too. So we're not just trying to kick your butt and say, oh, you, you know, shame on you for missing it, but it's. It's there. So even if you want to, even if you wait three, four months from now, it's there. And really, seriously, go back and watch these matches. Even if you don't watch them all, like the Tanahashi and Suzuki one, highly recommend you watch this. Same thing with Naito and, and Omega and so many others out there. You know, it's it's really hard to watch it all, and that's fine if you don't. But there's a lot of good fucking wrestling 
Even if you you, you jump around, that's fine. And, but and do yourself a favor and watch it. You you make an awesome point, but that wasn't even the point I was trying to make. My okay. point, my my point is, uh, you know, we are spoiling them for you, but they're so good. Go back and watch them. Oh yeah. And and the the other part of that is, it isn't always like that with certain companies that that most people watch these days. I'm I'm trying not to say them by name because I I think I've said it enough. But yeah, I have no idea you're talking about. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I, again, don't get me wrong. Like I'm I'm not trying to pick on them, but they do a lot of shit wrong. They shoot themselves in the foot and. We just want to watch good wrestling, you know, and they're highly capable of that, and and it doesn't always uh, happen that way. It happens a lot less frequently these days. Yeah, you, so. you know, here, here's a here's a thing that might, maybe makes me a stupid fan because I forgot who actually won it for a while. Now, I mean, now I can tell you who wins it, but I remember watching at at a very young age the the Macho Man Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania three match. Oh, okay. And you know, obviously one of the most talked about matches in WrestleMania history. It's one uh, of my favorite matches of all time. Yeah, and, and you know what? For for the longest time, I couldn't tell you who won the match. I, for, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot who won. I was like, I don't know. Like, somebody wins, and but I was like, but I do remember some of the spots, mm-hmm. and it's like so. I go back and I watch, and I'm like, man, this is such a great match. It doesn't matter who wins who wins the match, you know. Especially no. now, it's all the way back to 1987. It doesn't matter who fucking wins, you know. Just like most professional wrestling, when, when, when professional wrestling is done right, yeah, you can have your favorites and get involved in the storyline. That's part of the of the show. But when you have a plus matches, win or lose, if your guy or girl wins or loses, it don't matter. It's it's still an A plus match. You're absolutely right about the storytelling. Not to veer too far off the the beaten path here, but. In the old school wrestling group on Facebook that I uh, that I'm a part of, okay, someone had posted a picture of the Ultimate Warrior celebrating his victory over Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Okay, okay, and you know if if you if you listen to enough interviews or read enough interviews with Hulk Hogan, he doesn't see the 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 history, the past that he has gone through quite the same as everybody else, and he's he's been known for telling some 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 fibs and some lies here and there okay. that don't add up to, to actually what happened. But um, the guy had posted the picture of Ultimate Warrior celebrating in the ring, and there's a, it's like so close up that you could see people at ringside and their reactions. And he had replied with a comment like, holy shit, for once Hogan's telling the truth. Everybody was paying attention to Hogan leaving Instead of watching the Warrior celebrate, and sure as shit, I'd say like ninety percent of the people at ringside were all staring at Hogan <laughs> as he's leaving, as opposed to the Warrior celebrating his his win over Hogan. Yeah, but um, enough about that company. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about uh, G One Climax twenty eight for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, we just finished off night two. This is the first uh, first night of B Block. Uh, the biggest story here with the B Block and Tetsuya Naito is he failed. Yeah, there was such high hopes for him coming into this tournament, uh, not just from himself, but you know his stablemates in Los Ingobernables, 
uh, a lot of the the fans in New Japan, like he was up there. He was a, a definite contender yeah. to win this entire tournament. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. And it, it, it has become kind of a big disappointment, not necessarily to Naito himself, but to the fans. Uh, a lot of people were pulling for him. Do you, do you think this, uh, this, this chase for the title is becoming too much, too long? Because he's been chasing this damn thing for a long time now. He has, and, and you know what? I it, it it's not that I don't wish him success, but you know I told you way back when that he wasn't going to get that title anytime soon. And look, here we are now. He still hasn't gotten it. Yeah. And I think he'll have his time. I guess I'm answering my uh, my previous question when it came to you know being on the fence with Jay White. Does Jay White get the nod and go go up against Kenny Omega? I don't think so, man. I think not yet for for Jay White. I don't think it's it's not. I think it's not yet for Jay White. It, you know, as a matter of fact, the way the way it's shaping up. Again, I could be wrong. You know, I fantasy book fifty fifty just like everybody else. But here's the chance for hey, let's push Jay White. Let's give him that briefcase. But let's let's let uh, Tatsuya Naito have have a shot at that briefcase, just in time. Uh, before Russell Kingdom hits, yeah. so I could definitely see that happening. I would, I would, I, I and this this isn't a, a shot at Jay White, mm. but I would much rather see Naito versus Omega all over again. Do it again at Russell Kingdom. And do it again at Russell Kingdom. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I just, I really don't think Jay White's up there yet. He's made, he's made a huge stride. Yeah. But he's just not there yet. Now, not for you, me. Do you find it fitting that it was Zack Sabre Jr., a Suzuki Goon member, that spoiled it for Naito? Ah. <laughs> <On the final night? laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no. You know what? I mean, I guess it has that place. You know, I guess that's that's one aspect. That's one way of looking at it. But uh, for me, that I don't take too much stake in that. Okay. Um, night three, again, it's an A-block night. You've got uh, Michael Ogan defeating Hangman Page. Evil defeating Yoshihashi. That's the second loss by Hashi already. Toji Makabe defeating Suzuki. Uh, Bad Luck Fale versus... I mean, defeats Kazuchika Okada by a pinfall. Obviously, he had... Uh, Help from the Bullet Club OGs. And then Jay White ending the night, defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, like we just said a little while ago. So again, this was a, a, a la- another landmark victory for Jay White, defeating Tanahashi in uh, night three. Night four, we continue with B-Block. Sonata defeats Tamatonga. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Toriyanu. Kota Ibushi defeats Juice Robinson. Tetsuya Naito defeats Tomohiro Ishii. And the main event, Kenny Omega defeats Hiroki Goto. And that was the night four, which is the second night of the B block. Zack Sabre Jr. was another one I thought would go a lot farther than he did. And he didn't. I, I'm, I'm really interested in where like his his career is going mm-hmm. because you know you and I well anybody who watches Zack Sabre Jr. used to a lot of submission style wrestling yeah and uh, he's he's expanded his repertoire <laughs> with uh, 
The Michinoku driver? With the Michinoku driver. Well, he calls it the, the Zack driver. Yeah. Or, well, at least uh, Taka does. But, yeah, I mean, that was a surprise. That was a surprise to see him uh, show that off. That he's, like, becoming more of a... Or adding more moves to his repertoire. Not necessarily going to a different style, but adding more stuff to his style. Well, I think that's that's appropriate because Zack Sabre Jr. is at that point in his career now where even even though he didn't go as far as you thought he was going to go, uh, I mean, he still finished with a really good 12 points. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is actually tied. Tied for, for third. Yeah. Um, well, actually... All the, the even Kota Bushi who took the, the the pool finished with twelve points. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. mean, um, but that with that being said, he's at that point in his career where he's on he's on that he's at the glass ceiling and he's ready to shatter it. Uh, you know, certain parts of indie wrestling, he's already done that. You know, you look at guy as Zack Sabre Junior. and Pro Wrestling Gorilla and Evolve, for example, he's already done that. Yeah, he had the Evolve title for, like, over well, a year, over a year right? Yeah, yeah, until he lost to Matt Riddle back in April. But uh, as far as his New Japan career, I think he's... It, it's, it's very obvious that, uh, especially out of the Suzuki-Goon right now, he's he's the guy. He's the next... At least the next guy to, to kind of branch out and become this, this success. You know, and it comes with the addition to his his moveset because you know being a submission wrestler as much as you and I love it it's only going to get you so far in the business very true you know you have to it's like it's like being an, an MMA fighter nowadays whether it's real or not uh, <laughs> you know it's like it's like coming in there and saying I'm really good at uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu well that's awesome but how's your how's how's everything else? Are you how's your stand up game? Are yeah, you, because if that's all you got going for you, chances are you're not going to have a very fruitful career. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's the same applies for any style of wrestling. If if you're just a one dimensional guy, you know, especially for a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of mic skills. Yeah. You know, it, it's not gonna. You have to expand your moveset, and he's doing that. And I think it's very clear what his intentions are, at least. But I think the company's intentions are with him as well, especially for the fact that you know him and Taka have this amazing uh, partnership right now. You know, it started with the the New Japan Cup, and he's essentially a glorified hype man. He is. And <laughs> it, you know what? It, it, you know, it, it's it's a really great way to start it up because he's being hyped up. He's he's not doing anything. He doesn't have to do anything. He's like he's just he's just standing there. Taka's doing all the uh, all the talking, and and then he calls out his opponent. While Zack Saber just you know he just stands there arrogantly, and it's like that's not bad. So yeah, even with Zack Saber Jr. not not winning this thing or making the finals at least, uh, I, to me I was impressed by his showing. And overall, the Zack Saber Jr. that we're going to see in the future, I mean it's it's going to be to be pretty wide open. And he's in the right right faction because you know this is a very faction based company uh, to kind of not take over Suzuki per se, but just be the next prestigious guy within that that group. And it's 
you know, if, if he's in the, the G1 again next year, I can definitely see him being a front runner to take his block, maybe even the whole tournament. Night five uh, was July 20th. We had Tanahashi defeating Bad Luck Fale via DQ. Again, Bullet Club OGs yeah. get involved right away. Were you okay with that? We'll save that for, for later in this conversation. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, Evil versus uh, Evil defeated uh, Togi Makabe. Uh, Minoru Suzuki defeated Yoshihashi. Uh, man, I was fearful for Yoshihashi's life in this match. Um, again, Suzuki's just, he's a fucking mean old bastard. <laughs> and, you know, you... You give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And you have someone like Yoshihashi who can't seem to get his shit together. <laughs> and, and, dude, I was, again, I was fearful for his life. <laughs> Jay White defeated Michael Elgin. And the main event for that night, for Night 5, was Kazuchika Okada defeating the Hangman Adam Page. Were you surprised that uh, it took three matches for Okada to get a win? Yeah, uh, again, another <laughs> like another story within this tournament. Like, man, he's just he doesn't have it together, and he, you know, it took him three matches to get a win. And you know, he he even said it himself that he was uh, a little preoccupied and yeah, and, and, and not necessarily focused. But yeah, definitely a, a, an interesting start to to the tournament for him. Um, Night 6 is a B-block night. Took place July 21st. Uh, Naito defeated Juice Robinson. Yeah, okay. Ishii defeated uh, Hiroki Goto. Toru Yano defeated Kota Ibushi. I'm going to get to that in a second. <laughs> and Kenny Omega defeated Tamatonga by DQ. Again, another Bullet Club OG uh, debacle. And then the main event for that night was actually Sonata versus Zack Sabre Jr. With Zack Sabre Jr. taking the loss. Um, two questions for you. One, how do you feel about Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr.? And then two, we're going to talk about this whole Toriyanu Kodobushi match. The Sonata-Zack Sabre Jr. match, I felt... Albeit it was, it was, I was first of all, this is one of those matches that I look forward to the, one of the most, especially, and that's saying something, especially how stacked Block B was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not disappointed in the match, but I just felt that they didn't give get enough time to to do what I was hoping for them to do. It was it was definitely a shorter match. I think it went about. Just a little over ten minutes. And for a main event. For a main yeah. event, yeah. It just it just didn't seem it didn't seem like they got the fair they got, kinda got the short end of the stick in that one. Other than that, it was a really good first encounter. At least I, I don't think that they've went one on one before. Uh I yeah, I'm I don't think so. I'm sure tag matches, but not one on one. But so you know, I, I hope somewhere down along the line that somebody in New Japan and the booking committee said we kind of made a mistake on that one. We got to do this match again at some point because <laughs> it, this was one of those things. To me, Sonata, although yeah, it's all about Tetsuya Naito and rightfully so. You know, with that ongoing chase for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, I didn't think Sonata was going to run deep in this tournament per se. But he was—he's like the equivalent of Block A's Hangman Page in the sense that. 
he probably won't get a whole lot of wins, but I'm really looking forward to see how he performs against these these top level guys. Definitely, because definitely. I feel that both of those guys are at that point in their life or in their career, I should say, that uh, they're really ready to compete with those top level guys. So, see Sonata come out there and and have that match with Saber Junior was great. Again, I just wish it was longer. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Toriyanu defeating Kota Ibushi. Please tell me you watched this match. I did. <laughs> Toriyanu, the entire run of the tournament, he was just full of shenanigans. And it made for, for a great story. And I, I love the way they peppered it in throughout the tournament. Uh, every time he stepped in that ring, there was just some fucking tomfoolery going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this match against Kota Ibushi, I mean, I knew I knew he was up to trying to fight fair, in, in air quotes here. But um, that, this one really took me for a loop. I, I mean, I thought it was a blast, but I really didn't expect him to win. <laughs> and the way he won, you know, that was just crazy. Um, but the bigger story here with Toriano is, despite all his shenanigans in the ring, um, he upsets both of the Golden Lovers in this tournament. That's... That's insane. Yeah. How does, <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> He's, he, I mean, both, uh, let's face it, both of those victories were highly unlikely. Right. And yet they happened. Like, how, I don't understand. How the hell does that work? Yeah, I was looking at, you know, anytime you, you, got, you got Toriano, and again, I, I said this going into the, uh, the, the, the tournament, that uh, Toriano is probably somebody that I wouldn't put in this thing. Uh, he could go, there's no doubt about it, but... He's he's at the point in his career where he's like the and I do this all the time, but the the WWE's version of of mankind with Mr. Sacco kind of thing. Like it's 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 that you know, like he could he could take a, an ass whooping, but he's not really impressing a whole lot of people in that ring anymore. I'm glad you made that comparison though, because now I have another question for you. Yeah, do you see him and his his. Uh... His, his cheating ways or his shenanigans, do you see that leading to a title shot against Kenny Omega? No. Never? Not at all. C- keep not, in mind. Not in a New Japan ring. Not by, by that I mean, like, I could see ring that being Honor. a Ring of Honor thing. Okay. Because That's fair. with all due respect to, to Yoshihashi, I mean, even Yoshihashi made an event in a Ring of Honor show. That's true. So, That's we were true. there. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see it. I, I don't. He's a, he's a nov he's a novelty act at this point. And uh I don't I mean that's not to say that I wouldn't mind it, but I just don't know how much uh how much room the New Japan has for shenanigan type characters like that. <laughs> at least ones that are done for, for comedic purposes. We're not talking like bullet club shenanigans. Okay. So I don't know. I, I too was was surprised by the uh, by the victories. The uh, although it happened later, the Omega one. I I thought maybe I don't know. Maybe that was like a New Japan like slap on the wrist. Like you know, you're gonna we're gonna have you after all the shit that you pulled. You said I should say it's 
We're gonna have you lose to Toriano. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I never like, thought of that. Like you're gonna have to lay down for him. <laughs> At least they made it inventive. I, I I thought that was a that was a really interesting way for Kenny Omega to lose. Yeah. So uh, that's that's my thing. I mean Toriano. I didn't see them give anybody zero points. At least I didn't predict it. So he's got to be somebody. Yeah. It's just it, it is it is weird that it's you know against both Golden Lovers. Uh, I mean the the you know Tama Tonga was was one that I I had on the table that he'd probably win. Uh, and that's not because he's necessarily better than Tama Tonga, but given the storyline purposes. But yeah, it was it was definitely interesting to say the least. <laughs> Uh, night seven happened July twenty second. Tanahashi defeated Page. Uh, Okada defeated Makabe. Yoshihashi defeated Michael Elgin. One of our surprise wins we talked about. Yes. Minoru Suzuki defeated the Switchblade Jay White. Um, and then the main event that night was Evil defeating Bad Luck Fale via DQ. Again, more Bullet Club and Bullet Club OG interference. Um, Minoru Suzuki defeating Jay White. I I definitely looked forward to this one, especially at this point in the tournament because you had Jay White, turn you know becoming this ultra heel, and who better to to like test the waters against when becoming a heel than Minoru Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki the ultimate heel. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the highlight of the night for me. I in in uh, you know. I think the fans of the show and the listeners of the show know you you and I are both um followers of the Bullet Club and yes. and you know we do we do quite a bit of uh content on them with them things like that but yes. um this this whole Bullet Club versus Bullet Club Civil War I mean it's playing out as it should but it really, as a as a wrestling purist, it bothered me throughout this tournament because it was like, damn, you know, we're we're passing up seeing these potentially awesome matches for some bullshit, and and you know, you you and I are traditionally raised on American wrestling, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of that, and it does it gets old after a while. And there's a time and place for everything. Yeah, there's a time and place for everything, and that's where, um, that's where all this fits in. You have, you know, obviously bad luck Fale again losing to Evil via DQ, more interference, and it just seemed like there was no stopping them. They were just they were there to make a point. And don't get me wrong, it's cool. I I appreciate your your disposition when you say. I love to see that old school Bullet Club stuff happen where they just come in, they kick ass and, and take names. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's I agree. That's what Bullet Club should be doing. But it really put a damper on me for this tournament because I I was hoping. I was hoping they could just keep that shit out of the ring a little more. Not necessarily fully, but a little more to where we would have a little more opportunity to see th- those guys do what they do. So, I, let me see if I... And I'm not saying I disagree or anything like that. I'm not asking for that purpose. But, uh, you're saying for something like, the, like this tournament, 
do we take out storylines all the like well not necessarily all together but do we take out storylines for more of the wrestling part because that's what this is it's a storyline yeah it's a storyline where Tama Tonga and Balak Fale both said we don't give a shit about the G1 they don't care about the G1 it's like they didn't they didn't care about the never open way six man tag team titles which they won <laughs> in the in the final night uh, against the uh, the Bucks and, and Marty Scurll, they just, they threw him right back at the president yeah. of of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And said, "Here, you take it." I, they don't want it. Um, I I see what you're saying though, and, and it's it's kind of a, a catch twenty two because it, it, it. I like it, but I, I also agree. I I kind of I kind of lean on New Japan for that style of wrestling, and you know. You have to kind of, you kind of have to understand too with this whole transition to westernizing the product that there's going to be this, and they have to really watch it because you don't want to become westernizing your product doesn't necessarily mean becoming a western product, and I I, I think that's the fine line that they have to draw for themselves. You don't have to do what we do here in the states. What you guys have done in Japan is what made you guys so fucking intriguing in the first place. Keep doing that. It's okay to... to, to pe- pepper it in here. Yes. And there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and you know what? You and I talked about this before on a previous episode. It's growing pains. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. trying to globalize uh, you know, their brand and, and become more Western friendly. And unfortunately, this is something new to them. So... They only have so much they can do, or so much that they know how to do, especially with their style of booking. So, it, it still is very interesting, but yeah, it, to me, it put a little bit of a damper on such a prestigious tournament. It got to be a lot. It was just one, one too many times, I think. Yeah, I, I'll, I, I'll definitely say that. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was like, at some point, they, they got their hand caught in the cookie jar, and it's like, alright, you know, like, <laughs> the, the first night... When they did it to the Hangman page, it was like, all right, the war's on. The yeah. war's on. Yeah. Let's do this. But then, you know, when you start seeing it with Tama and Kenny, that right there should have been a legit match. Yeah, again, that was one I was looking forward to, and you're like, shit, it and got they, ruined. They dropped the ball. I mean, it's, it's it got to be too much. You know, I wouldn't have minded if, if Tangaloa started doing some shit and then the ref called him and kicked him out. And then give you an extra X amount of minutes of this Tama and Kenny. Sure, yeah. You did yeah, your yeah. Bullet Club thing, now let's finish it. And then once the bell rings, Tama can come back out, Bad Luck can come out, whatever, you can you can do it then. But as far as what happens during that bell, you know, let's, let's try to keep it legit. Night 8 happened July 26th. Kenny Omega defeated Juice Robinson. Hiroki Goto defeats Toriyanu. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tomohiro Ishii via submission. Tetsuya Naito defeats Tama Tonga. In the main event, Sonata defeats Kota Ibushi. These are all block B matches. Uh, anything stand out to you? I look forward to Sonata and Ibushi. Sonata and Ibushi for sure. The uh, Sabre Jr. again. Sabre Jr. versus Ishii. Ishii is that... Uh, the Stone Pitbull is, is, is one of those quiet, uh, like, top picks for me. 
in so many matches and definitely a dark horse. Dark horse, yeah. There, there you go. That's, that's the word I was looking for, <laughs> or afraid, what words, whatever. Um, but the Saber Junior again the, the test of waters with somebody of his nature, because when I look at it, as of right now for the foreseeable future, we're not going to see Saber Junior versus Monroe Suzuki, and that's a match I want to see. Yeah. That's a match I want to see, and for the foreseeable future, unless we're talking one of two things, a tournament like the G1, which they're in separate blocks, it wasn't going to happen unless they both win their blocks, or we see some kind of angle where Saber leaves Suzuki or gets kicked out, or, or Suzuki gets kicked out, whatever, and uh, and then we see some kind of war that way. While they're on the same team, it's just not going to happen. So Tomohiro Ishii is kind of like that equivalent in the same in the sense that he has that rugged style, the very uh, roughneck style as we call it here in the states, uh, you know, strong style if you you know do what you call it in in Japan, and you have that type of style, and a guy that you know I've seen I've seen that man go at it with, with Suzuki, a guy that took Suzuki's shots. And just and just took it, stood there, asked for more. And I was like, "All right, we're, see, we're Suzuki, or excuse me, Saber Junior is trying to evolve, no pun intended, into this all-around wrestler. Let's see what he does against Ishii." And that's that one stood out to me the most, the most of that night, just because I was really intrigued to see what Saber Junior had to do because I don't think that he got the uh, the hype that he deserved going into this tournament, even though he won the New Japan Cup earlier this year. And to see him go at it with high-profile guys, whether it's somebody that isn't talked about enough or not, uh, to me, that's one that stood out the most on that night. I think for, for me, at least, I agree with you. I think what it is is... Um, this this was kind of like a, a proving ground for him. This tournament, like he could yes. hang, he could hang with the heavyweights, right? And and I don't. That's another thing I'm I'm not too keen on uh, with New Japan is this like this culture of promotion to becoming a heavyweight. You have all these, you know, light heavyweights or junior heavyweights, and. You're like the Bucks. The Bucks are now heavyweights mm-hmm. in New Japan. Right. Uh, right now, they're toying with the idea of making Marty Skrull a heavyweight in New Japan. You have this situation going where, like, it's like it's it's like they're basically putting a cap on your career as a junior heavyweight, and then sooner or later, it's like, oh, time to graduate to the heavyweights, whether you want to or not. <laughs> you know, I, I really get that impression. I think for Zack Sabre Jr., it's a little bit different because of his style of wrestling. I think it works. I think it works very well. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to buy that he becomes a heavyweight without putting on weight. You know, I mean, because the Bucks obviously bulked up a little bit. Right. Um, same with Marty Skrull. Like, right now they're joking. But if he's truly to become a heavyweight, traditionally he's going to have to put on some muscle. Yeah. Do we get to see that or don't we? I don't know. I don't know how that works. So, um, but I agree with you, man. This this was definitely a, a key match for Zack Sabre Jr. Night number nine is an A block night, July twenty seventh. Tanahashi defeats Toji Makabe. Minoru Suzuki defeats Michael Elgin. Okada defeats Yoshihashi. Excuse me, Hashi. 
Bad Luck Fale defeats Jay White, and Evil defeats Hangman Page in your main event. Again, you see the rise of Hangman Page in this tournament, and although he loses to Evil, he puts on another one hell of a performance. I think you said it best a couple episodes ago, where we were talking about the Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody possibly being signed away for that uh, supercard that G1 Supercard that's happening in April. Yeah. And how it's not going to be the end of the Bullet Club, even if they're still separate. So this would be the Bullet Club Elite. It won't be the the end of the Bullet Club Elite because of people like Hangman Page. And this tournament showcased exactly that. This dude is on the rise. And and it isn't... You know what? To me, it didn't even come across as like them giving him a push. Because he lost most of his matches. Yeah. But just the the, the level of, of performance in that ring, like, yeah. things are finally coming together for him. And it's paying off phenomenally. To say that Hangman Page is at a rise is not enough. He's at a rise at a pace that no company, New Japan, Ring of Honor, anybody, is ready for. Because he is at that point now to where... You have to book him in higher profile matches. He's making he's he's really taking Booker's hands and forcing them because you have to book this guy in higher profile matches because he's that damn good now. It's it's doesn't it doesn't happen that often where you 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 find a guy who's got he's got he's got an it factor but he needs a lot of work, and then you give him the the proper tools. And it's almost like a snap of a finger, and it's like, wow, he just he figured it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was very little guidance. It was just like, oh, this is where you go. Okay, you know, see if you can catch up with me now. And that's where where, where it's going from here. Like, and if this match, this night right here, you had Hangman Page versus Evil. You have two guys that are kind of in the in the mid card, like you said, if you will, if you want to call it that. The mid card of the of their respective groups or factions, and they have a platform to showcase what what they are capable of, and they put on a fantastic match, absolutely fantastic match. Win or lose, and and in this case, um, Evil picked up the victory. Win or lose, both guys just showcased so much in that that one match, and. It's crazy. It's crazy because, you know, we talk about L.I.J., it's, it's Tetsuya Naito. But I already mentioned Sonata, but you also have his uh, guys, usually his tag team partner in Evil. And it's just like, again, you, you can't cap these guys. They're, they're, making it, they're making it so hard to where to, it's like, okay, well, this is what, what we have for you. But they can't be because, you know, we're putting on these crazy high-profile matches. You know, you either you book us the right way or you lose them. So they're making, yeah, they're making the job very difficult for the bookers because it's like, fuck, all these guys are good. You know, and it's the same thing with with Ring of Honor and New Japan with with Hangman Page. It's like, what do you do with this guy who is excelling at such a fast pace? You can't cap him. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the rest of the year holds for him, for both guys, really. But. Uh, but yeah, like 
as far as the future of the Bullet Club and future of of Hangman Page in general is, you know, how, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he becomes world champion. I'm calling him right now. Okay, let's hear this. Because <laughs> you're pretty good at this. I'm calling right now. Um, I know, uh, and we'll get to this later, obviously, but, uh, you know, Cody is is putting his name in the hat for Juice Robinson's United States Heavyweight Championship. Yep. I see Hangman Page taking that title before Cody does. I think that's the proper title for him. It is. You know, that's, at that's this point, title. yeah. I yeah. mean, and, and it's shit, man. You know, Juice Robinson, this whole tournament, you know, he's every time he's lost, he's he's put it out there like, man, I feel bad because the United States title deserves better. You know, you keep talking like that with all these guys around you that are that are putting on performances way better than you. I understand he's got a broken hand, but or he had had yeah. you know. But damn man, there's there's very little wiggle room for you to fuck up, especially when you have that title. Somebody's gonna come up and take it from you, and I really think that's Hangman Page. I hope I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, night number 10 is a B-block night, July 28th. Speaking of, Juice Robinson defeats Toriyano. Tetsuya Naito defeats Hiroki Goto. Kota Ibushi defeats the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii. Kenny Omega defeats Sonata. And for the main event, Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tama Tonga via DQ. Another fucking match where the Bullet Club OGs ruined it for me. That's bad booking because that shouldn't be your main event. Don't end your show on a DQ. Man. That's that's Raw. Raw does that. SmackDown <laughs> does that. And we are watching an old Raw in the background now. Um. <laughs> I forget. It's I think it was August, September. No, it's right at the breakdown, so it's in September of 98. Okay, so September of 98 we have on in the background. You can watch all these old classic Monday Night Raws. Fuck Jeff Jarrett. Oh, my God. <laughs> on the WWE <laughs> Network. Come to us if you want a subscription. We can get you a discounted one. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. That's all one word. Um, as we see the New Age Outlaws get into it with each other in the ring. Uh, but back to the B block of night 10. The, <laughs> of the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, G1 Tournament. Yeah. I agree with you. Don't end your card on a DQ. Yeah, that's bullshit. That was bullshit. That's a bullshit way to end. Um, yeah, because the same thing could have been accomplished with that that match earlier in the night. And right. then you could have had... I would have either taken Ibushi versus Ishii or Omega versus Sonata as the main event. Sure, I wouldn't I, I, I would even go with Naito versus Goto. Also a good match, so. definitely. Yeah, you had you had your options there. You know, <laughs> again, if you want to play this uh, DQ every every single time, yeah, it's you can't you can't do it down the main event. That's that's a terrible way to send your audience home too. And at this point, the you know it is to be noted that the New Japan fans in the arenas are complaining that their wrestling is getting too American. <laughs> So we are the only ones that have an issue with with the way they booked this this uh, this night. What do they have against American wrestling? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> uh, 
Night 11 is July 30th, and it's an A-block night. Tanahashi defeats Yoshihashi. Bad Luck Fale defeats Toji Makabe. Okada defeats Michael Elgin. Jay White defeats Hangman Page. And for the main event, Minoru Suzuki defeats Evil. Um, definitely, I was looking forward to Suzuki and Evil. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, and that was rightfully the main event, no matter how you cut that card. Two heavy hitters. <laughs> see Dan Severn come out to the ring. <laughs> I'm jealous of that stash. He's got his his UFC uh, title and the NWA heavyweight title, the legendary 10 pounds of gold. Look at that. I can't wait to see that fucking... And a great mustache. And a great mustache. That's, that same belt is being used today, right? Yes. Or, yeah? Same belt. That's awesome. I can't wait to see that in person. I didn't mean the first time that I've seen it in person. Same here. So Unlike Michael Cole, I don't give a fuck about this him. Guy. The Jeff Jarrett of announcers, commentators. <laughs> I would take old senile Jim Ross over like the best version of Michael Cole any day. Man, you you saying that about Michael Cole right now? Like, I didn't think there was a way to like describe him to make him any worse to me, but you just did it. Congratulations. <laughs> he is up there with uh, English muffins and Oreo cookies now for me. Like, I just I don't I can't I can't anymore. <laughs> um. We are on night 11. It's an A-block night. Uh, besides Suzuki and Evil, any other thoughts on the rest of this night? I definitely looked forward to Jay White and Hangman Page because, again, Jay White's going through his ultra-heel phase telling Rocky Romero, like, hey, I got this. It's my chaos. Yeah, that that one right there, though, the uh, uh, the, the Page versus the uh, Jay White match. Again, you got two guys, as I said earlier, on the brink of essentially superstardom. Uh, yeah. You know, so... I'm doing it again. I'm comparing it to WWE, but it's <laughs> it's it's like watching uh, as we have '98, uh, you know, 1998, like watching Rock versus Triple H in that era. Like it's yeah. gonna, it's oh, going to yeah, be one yeah. of those things. Yeah, yeah. They'll meet again. They'll yeah, meet again, and it's going to be more more on the line this time. Not that a G1 is <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, this night, Okada defeats Michael Elgin. He would later go on to say goodbye to his longtime manager in Gato. That was that night, huh? No, it was not that night. Oh, okay. I'm just saying in general. In general, yeah, right. Yeah, he goes on to say goodbye to Gato, so they split ways. He's going through a huge transition. Obviously, you know, it. success does different things to different people, and especially in wrestling, Right off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who held a title that long, for that long recently. Yeah, not in recent years. You know? No. And and for him to do it and be under that type of pressure to perform all the damn time, and and to you know to perform at that level, it it, it changes a person. And you know, obviously during this whole tournament, we're seeing a different Okada. It, although he's still the rainmaker, you know, he's coming on with a little bit different attire. He's dyed his hair a different color. He's coming out with balloons. balloons yeah. Um, a little weird. It, it, it was a little weird. But uh, but he said it himself. <laughs> you know, he, he needed to blow off steam and have some fun and, and get his head back together. And he did He did that. He did that by the end of the tournament. You know, he, he obviously was still a heavy hitter in points. And yeah. 
you know, he, he still ended up having a well-rounded tournament. But uh, there's there's a lot of transition for this guy left. I, I don't think he's done transitioning. And this is what I want to ask you about all this. So if he's not done transitioning, where do you personally see him transitioning to? See, that's what you you beat me to. I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, where does this lead to, to Okada? Because... Yeah, how much of this is gimmick and how much of this is like like legit? The guy is just burnt out. If that's the case, then he does he take a back seat to everything that's going on within chaos and you know because he's a, he's a major draw. He's a major draw no matter where he goes, and you know whether he's champion or not, he's still going to be a major draw. Yeah. So, like, what happens? What happens? To, what happens to him now? What's his? What you know? How much of, of, of his mindset is really just exhausted? Because uh, that's... I didn't really pay attention to that until I, I asked you the question, like, why the hell is he coming out with balloons? Like, what is... What? <laughs> you know, the, the hair dye, whatever. You dyed your hair red highlights, cool, fine. But the balloons thing. And when you explained it to me, I was like, is this just like some weird gimmick that he's trying to do? Or is he, like, legit just doesn't want to be the serious rainmaker anymore yeah, yeah. you know I, I so i don't know i mean i i guess maybe you can answer the question because i don't really have an answer i i think he just he needed a break he needed a break at least mentally you know from from being the rainmaker and again there's there's a lot of pressure put on him as as a heavyweight champion mm-hmm. uh especially with that organization and it isn't just him. They do that to all their champions. So, you know, I I can only assume what's going on with Kenny Omega at this point. But uh, for me, where he where he ends up in this transitional period, I think he I think he takes a back seat to someone like Tetsuya Naito. I think Naito steps it up and 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 uh, vies for that heavyweight title. I don't know if he does it at Russell Kingdom per se, but I think I think he's up there. I think I think he he kind of has like a boomerang effect where yeah he you know he he's been he's been toying around with it for a long time and yeah he he lost to the he lost the G one and how does he bounce back? I think he bounces back he bounces back uh, in a, with a much more force than Kazuchika Okada. Night twelve is a B block night. And it took place on August 1st. Uh, Juice Robinson defeats Sonata Kota, to open the show. Kota Ibushi defeats uh, Hiroki Goto. Tama Tonga defeats Tomohiro Ishii. Tetsuya Naito defeats Toriyanu. And your main event, Kenny Omega defeats Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, that match was like a... It wasn't a first time, but it was like a second time. Between Omega and Zack Sabre Jr., they had they had fought for some indie promotion. I want to say maybe DDT. Okay. Um, years and years and years. By the way, it has your own streaming service now. Oh, get out of here! Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Take, shut up and take my money. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was the the big build up for that match. Um, you know, it was it was a first for New Japan. Right. Um, did they advertise it that way? They did. Oh my god! Yeah, no they, way. I'm telling you, no way. It was great. They're like, yeah, they, you know, they're like, oh, it happened before in a in in a different promotion, more than likely DDT, but it's a first here in New Japan. What's that company that that, that pretends everything is <laughs> is theirs? 
Nothing ever happens outside. I don't know. Those damn. Well, Americans. they have their own universe. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, we kind of hang out just just outside. <laughs> we can see what's going on. <laughs> other things happen in other promotions. No way. Yeah. No way. No way. That that doesn't happen. Um, the story here for me, uh, again, I, I it was cool seeing Omega versus Zack. I was really interested in Naito versus Yanu, simply because styles, two different styles, and you know you have Toru Yanu's shenanigans uh, up against the tranquilo of uh, Tetsuya <laughs> Naito, and and to me that that made for a great clash of styles. Yeah, I just think uh, with with the Naito and Yano match, it, it works, you know, almost perfectly because Naito's that guy that uh, can turn it on when he has to, and he not that, and I don't mean to sound mean or disrespectful to Toriano, but also kind of you know <laughs> definitely turn it down and, and and be a more character esque wrestler. Uh, he said again, he's that complete package. So that's what I love about him. So. Yeah, this was a, definitely a fun, a fun match for for the tournament. But uh, the the match that that stood out to me on paper, uh, there was the match between uh, Juice Robinson and Sonata, and you know I I know I was, I'm on the same boat with you with, with Juice Robinson losing so much and the U.S. title and everything and but again the the hand. which kind of got annoying after a while. It did, and and. For... I'm surprised it didn't bother him as much as as I thought it was going to bother him. I mean, clearly he had trouble in in, in matches and whatnot, but right. Um, yeah, it it didn't make his his performance any any better. You right. know, he didn't have that opportunity. I was actually a little surprised that Robinson picked up the victory over Sonata. I thought Sonata was going to take this one. Yeah, but uh, overall, it was a good match. I love the way that Sonata works, man. He just he doesn't look like it, but think of like Zack Sabre Jr. when he takes a body part and he's very scientific and slow. Sonata takes a body part, but he's so goddamn quick about it. He is. And it's, it's crazy, like, because he's not, when you think of a quick wrestler, you think of, you know, high flyers and, and things of that nature, you know, X Division style wrestlers for us here in the States. Sonata is, is, is he's like almost quietly fast if that makes any yeah, sense yeah no that, that <laughs> makes perfect sense he's very deceivingly fast yeah and like just out of nowhere he he's he's picking you ready or he's getting you ready for the, the skull end and it, it's it's crazy watching watching him work because you don't see many guys in any company that's like quite like that you know and again juice robinson it was just a disappointing um, tournament. I didn't think he was going to go super deep in, anyways. I mean, he just got done winning the U.S. title. Yeah. But, um, again, having that hand being taped up and everything like that, it, it definitely put a burden on, on his matches. And, guys, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, um, it, it did. It did, it did uh, put a burden on his matches. But also, there was at least two matches where he un untaped himself, yeah, and used the hand anyway. And it's like, really, like, I don't know whether he thought, like, hey, I already have nothing to lose because, you know, I'm just about out of the tournament or I'm out of the tournament. But still, like, you still have a fucking U.S. title to defend. Yeah, 
Like, I understand you're taking part. Like, don't make it any worse on yourself. Right. You know? Exactly. And then as far as Sonata goes, um, you're right, man. He's just, he's deceivingly fast. And to watch him work, uh, it, it was it was refreshing. Because yeah. you get to see him as a, as a singles competitor without his stable. And, and I know uh, most people are going to be like, what the fuck do you mean by that? Well, you get to see him wrestle matches that he wants to wrestle. You know, uh, how he you get to see him approach a match the way he wants to approach it. And uh, one of the things I found really interesting was the way he ended a few of his matches because he had the same, the same finishing set of maneuvers where he would put you in the skull end and then either his opponent would break out or he would just let go of the hold after so long yeah. instead of letting them tap, and then he'd get up and do a moonsault onto the opponent and pin him. And, like, who does that? Yeah, exactly. You know? and But he could <laughs> because he's so quick. He's so quick. He can easily just, boom, I, you know, I got you in a, a submission hold. Guess what? I'm already on the fucking top rope, and I'm coming down on your ass. One, two, three. Only Sonata, he's one of the few that could actually make that work. Right. Yeah, he's got that rabid dog type mentality where it's just like, <laughs> if that's not going to work, you know, he's, he's already two, three steps ahead of you. Ahead of you, and, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You don't see that, that style of wrestling from many guys in any promotion. In any promotion, so, right. A very special talent that we have on our hands with Sonata. Night 13 is August 2nd. It's an A-block night. Tanahashi defeats Evil. Hangman Page defeats Toji Makabe. Michael Elgin defeats Bad Luck Fale again by a disqualification. Kazuchika Okada defeats Minoru Suzuki. And your main event for that night, Jay White defeats Yoshihashi. Again, <laughs> poor Yoshihashi. You know, it's one thing to be uh, up against Bad Luck Fale. And have to, or like, you know, any of the OGs and have to deal with their bullshit. Yeah. But uh, now you've got to go up against Jay White, who is on his own brand of bullshit. And at this point in the tournament, he is, he is picking people apart outside of the ring more often than anything. And especially with the uh, the back and forth between the guardrail and the apron of the ring, <laughs> yeah. and using that as basically like to take everybody's backs out. Um, Josh Barnett loves that move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh Barnett was legitimately pissed off at him for doing that. So <laughs> that was that was not a work. Um, still a match I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see White versus Barnett. I think I think uh, I think unfortunately I think White could teach him a few things. I think White backs it up. I was gonna say uh, Bar- <laughs> Barnett doesn't really. Uh, I don't think he can hang in that, that ring. <laughs> he can barely hang in an octagon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how real that is. <laughs> oh, I'm still going at it with that. <laughs> it was a work, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, any any other thoughts on uh, night thirteen of? G1. Uh, there's a couple. First of all, they dropped the ball again with uh, the whole Bullet Club. OG's interference with uh, Michael Elgin and uh, Bad Luck Fale. I mean, this this is one of those matches that actually went longer. Uh, it went it went double digits. But again, 
you know, you know me. I'm not the biggest Balak Fale fan as far as his in-ring work. I, I understand. I appreciate this style of wrestling. I could go without it, personally. But him versus Michael Elgin intrigues me. You know. that, yeah, that was one. It's like, okay, big man versus big man. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it wasn't just that. Like, Elgin is in pretty phenomenal shape. Oh, yeah. Mi- minus the, the little injury to his... Uh, his arm, his bicep, right, uh, which turned out not to be a torn bicep, so he's all good now. And then you have Bad Luck Fale coming in, you know, lost all that weight and looking really good. And uh, you're again, you're like, damn, they've got really good chances at making a, a dent in this tournament. And then you've got to go through some fucking <laughs> DQ bullshit. Yeah, again, it took away from powerhouse style of wrestling that you were going to see. And it took yeah. away from it, and it kind of robbed the fans. Uh, another thing, too, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil. I was looking forward to that. E- Evil, I was I was pulling for so hard, even though he I didn't think he was going to take any uh, win win this block. But him versus Tanahashi, at that point, it was 10, 10 and eight as far as points go, respectively, for Tanahashi and Evil. And it's like, man, if Evil can win this one, it'd be really interesting. And then they're really going to push him to that next level. But anyways, this is one of those matches that I was really looking forward to. And, and see Evil in the ring one-on-one with the caliber of, of the ace, of Tanahashi. And he delivered. I mean, even though Evil, Evil took the loss, I mean, those two, like, it was cool to see him go toe-to-toe with somebody at the level of Tanahashi who, who just doesn't seem to ever fade away. No matter how old he gets, he's still like in the pri- the longest prime of anyone's career. Uh, and then the other one too, the, uh, the Okada versus Suzuki match, and this was a, a rematch from just a couple months prior, a month prior, when uh, Suzuki had the uh, his anniversary match. You know, I I remember where it was at, but I know it was outdoors and it was raining and all that shit, but, and it ended in a draw. Uh, so this was a, a rematch to that, and again Okada versus Suzuki, two guys who are at the top of their game, and uh, it was it was cool to see the the streak continue for Okada, who lost his first two matches, go up against against a guy who was having a good tournament in himself his own right, and put on that kind of a match. Those guys almost went damn near twenty minutes too, and I mean it was a hell of a match. Yeah, that it so, was. You know, and you, you got to remember, too, before this uh, tournament happened, we got to see Evil, like, start to flourish a little bit. Yeah. You know, he was busting out new moves and, and, and like, kind of cementing what Sonata has started during this tournament. is like his own persona as a, a singles wrestler. Yeah. So that was really awesome, and, and it did. It did lead you to believe that Evil was probably going to go a little deeper than originally anticipated. Right, exactly. Uh, night 14 is a B-block night. Happened on Saturday, August 4th. Starting off the night, Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Juice Robinson via submission. Hiroki Goto defeats Tamatonga via DQ. Ishii defeats Kenny Omega via pinfall. Sonata defeats Toriyanu via countout. And then Kota Ibushi defeats Tetsuya Naito in your main event. Hell of a night for Block B. Oh my goodness, you're mine. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to go down the line here. So, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Juice Robinson. Yeah, Juice Taps. But, I love the way 
these two were jawing with each other. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, obviously, um, Zack Sabre isn't his own mouthpiece right now. That's Takuma Michinoku's job. <laughs> but to hear to hear those kinds of words come, come out of Zack Sabre's mouth, he is an angry, angry man. <laughs> and, and, and just hearing the way he talks, it's like, yeah, no wonder you were in Suzuki Goon. Because let's face it, out, out of the, uh, the group that's there, he usually comes across uh, as the the deceitful one. You know, you don't like he's yeah he's aligned himself with heels, but you've got you've got to be Suzuki Goon is not just a heel group, <laughs> right? Heel faction, you know, you know. So it 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 just it made it all that much more interesting. You're like, oh okay, I get it now. That's this is exactly why he is <laughs> is with these guys. Um, again. Maybe maybe uh, most people weren't looking forward to this match. I was looking forward to Goto versus Tonga, something I don't remember seeing before. And uh, to me, it was going to be interesting just the clash of styles between the two. But again, and again, we got robbed. The disqualification. Fucking disqualification. Who's booking this shit? <laughs> Come on, like mix it up. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip. The Omega match for a second, and then uh, so Sonata defeats Yanu by a countout. Uh, by if I'm not mistaken, it happened with the Paradise Lock, right? I believe so. Sonata beating Yano? Yeah, I believe he beat him with the Paradise Lock, or he it was he, a countout. Yeah, but didn't he? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I thought that was a pretty interesting usage of. Uh, Yanu's shenanigans backfiring on him, you know, that yeah. sort of a thing. Uh, again, I, I still kind of feel robbed, though. Like, I really would have liked him to go toe-to-toe without the bullshit, you know. But maybe we'll see that down the line. Um, at some point, maybe. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> uh, going back to Ishii and Kenny Omega, this is one I don't remember the last time they met, unfortunately. Everybody that was commenting on it, uh, not only during the match, but uh, on social media as well, everybody was pretty excited for this match. And, you know, just like you were talking about earlier, Ishii is definitely a dark horse. And then you have the, you know, overwhelming popularity of Omega. I took those two factors and just, I took it, I took those as face value. I'm like, I'm excited for this match. And it turned out to be something way more than I expected. Oh, yeah. This match was, was definitely a highlight of the whole tournament. You know, the only disappointment about this match, and it has nothing to do with the participants, it's the reaction that I that I heard. And it was like, really? Ishii's the guy that knocks off Omega? Yeah. I heard a lot of that. And it's like, man, have you not been watching Ishii go? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. Yeah, I, I really there was didn't. a ton of that. Yeah, I and, really yeah, I get Omega is the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. He's the best bout machine. He's one of the best in the world. But it doesn't mean that you sleep on Ishii, like oh, right? You know, and I know a lot of it. You know, him teaming with with Yano from for almost a year, over a year now doesn't help. And again, I don't mean to pick on Toriano. I really don't. <laughs> but he's a goofball, and that's that's just what it is. He's a goofball. 
You know, Tomohiro Ishii isn't that. But then again, watch watch his matches with, with Minoru Suzuki. Watch his matches. I'm just talking about recent ones here. Yeah. You know, the, the matches we had with uh, with Michael Elgin. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that got headbutt without, without warning by Suzuki, took it, and then just said, you know what, give me another one. I mean, <laughs> this guy's no nonsense. This guy is no nonsense at all. And not only not only is he tough, but he's a solid wrestler. Yeah, really good technical wrestling too. On top of strong style, I just don't know why I was such a surprise that he knocked off Kenny Omega. I I, I wasn't I, I, I wasn't surprised that he knocked him off. I was just surprised that they let them do as much as they did. And and for me that I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, again, you're absolutely right. One of the matches that defines this tournament, for sure. And then you have the main event that night, Ibushi versus Naito. Um, another one I was looking forward to, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I I was rooting for Naito. And, yeah, again, I was rooting for Naito. Yeah, and it didn't happen that way. Um, again, he just, a lot of people kind of, kind of shocked and, and disheartened that he... He didn't do as well as, as uh, they wanted him to in this tournament. <clears throat> I mean, at this point in the tournament, he's he's got 10 points. And he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. But as far as that goes, that's why I asked the question, is it is it the chase going on a little too long? Naito's been, been chasing this damn title for a very, very long time now. Is it is it too long? You know what though. Let, let's let's look at his 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 persona. So he stops caring, and he stops giving a fuck. Right? Mm-hmm. What happens? He wins the Intercontinental Title. Yeah. And I think I I really do think it's going to get to that point where he's just going to not give two shits about the IWGP Heavyweight Title, and then guess what? He's going to get it. I think he's on that. I think he's on the beginning of that. Again, like I said, I don't know if he's going to take it at Russell Kingdom. Yeah. Right. But I, I think he bounces back from this tournament, and he goes at it stronger than ever. What if he wins that title and then he treats it the same way he treats the IC title? Well, I would assume he he yeah. would. Yeah. I, yeah. And and it, let's now, face you it. You think you think they'd be okay with that one? Because let's face facts. The I, the Intercontinental title was a big deal. But it's also a newer title in comparison to the heavyweight title. I mean, you got something that dates back to the 70s here. You know what, though? I don't think it's about whether the title is new or old or what have you. They just, you know, that title needed revitalization, and they got that in the form of Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. Um, But Naito's anti-hero attitude was so over yeah that it didn't matter it didn't affect the belt negatively it, it as a matter of fact it, it it still kept its prestige even though he was you know battering and and bruising it on the fucking daily even breaking pieces off of it <laughs> it didn't mean it was any less prestigious and for him to do that with the heavyweight title um will they let him get away with it if it if it works like the Intercontinental Title situation, yeah, oh yeah, but probably not slamming it against the post. 
I don't know. Cracking the title? I, you think so? I don't know. Because then you then you've got like a whole another crop of uh combatants that want to take it away from him even more. If the chase becomes even even more of a hunt. Fair point. I, I guess it comes down to how how heelish do you allow yourself as a company to go? Because at some point, the company's got to take responsibility to that too. No pun intended. What's what's one of the golden rules of wrestling, man? The bigger the baby face, the bigger the heel. That's true. So, That's very true. Just it works out that way, yeah. folks. It just yeah. does. That's a good point. <laughs> we are in what is that? Fifteen. Yeah, we're coming to the last two matches for for each night. Fifteen is an A block night. Happened August fifth. You have Tanahashi defeating Michael Elgin, Jay White defeating Toji Makabe, Kazuchika Okada defeating Evil, Yoshihashi defeating Bad Luck Fale versus uh, via DQ. Excuse me. Hangman Page defeating Minoru Suzuki in your main event. Again, another landmark win. That's huge for Hangman Page. That's pretty much his his G one championship right there. I man, I, I I remember watching this match and I'm thinking, there's no as as well as he's doing at the the level of performance he's putting on. There's no fucking way he's getting over Suzuki, and then it happened. Yeah, and I about shit my pants. <laughs> you know what I loved about this match is that this was one of those things where you got to see, obviously everything from Suzuki, but with Hangman Page, you got to see this different multiple style of, of fight because you're gonna have the the outside fighting, and which we saw that. I mean, he gets stomped on uh, with a barricade on top of him by <laughs> Suzuki. Uh, you know, so you have that. You, you have the, 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 the fist-fighting style that Hangman Page brings to the table. But then you also throw in, you know, technical wrestling. You bring in a little bit of high-flying. You got, in this match, to see everything that Hangman Page is about. And it's appropriate that he wins the match. Because you at this point, you have two guys who are both out of it at, at this point. As far as the points go, you have nothing to... It, it, was, the, it was the right time to book this match because both guys are out of the tournament therefore nobody has anything to, to, to gain nor lose essentially besides the match it was a perfect exhibition if you will for, for Hangman Page and it was appropriate that he won the match and I, I yeah it was it was good it was a really good match really good match for him and it, you know even though that was his last victory of this tournament yeah you know it was one that you can walk away with and you know, going into the Destruction Tour or Power Struggle or whatever, even up to Wrestle Kingdom, where it's like, man, the sky's the limit for Hangman Page. Absolutely, absolutely. Night sixteen is a B block night. Happened Wednesday, August eighth. You have Ishii defeating Juice Robinson, Zack Saber Jr. defeating Hiroki Goto, Toru Yanu defeating Kenny Omega. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Tamatonga defeating Kota Ibushi via pinfall. And then Tetsuya Naito defeating Sonata for your main event. Stablemate versus Stablemate. It's a shame. Uh, for me, Ishii versus Juice Robinson. Again, for me, there was a lot of potential there. And, you know, part of it was Juice in his hand. And then the other part was 
he had been underperforming already. And, and I think part of it was just, let's face it, it just wasn't his hand. It was it, yeah. it was juice being juice. It was definitely a step in the wrong direction for Juice Robinson because prior to the tournament, he had so much momentum. He did. On. You know, and I know it culminated with him winning the U.S. Heavyweight title at the G1 Special in, in San Francisco. And whether he was going to, even if he wins the six match, the, the, get six points, three matches. Okay. Again, we talk about Hangman Page. He only has six points. It's the performance. It's the performance. And the performance was very lackluster. And it, it showed throughout the entire tournament for him. But before it's a shame. The, yeah, before this tournament, you know, we again, he was one of those guys, like, leading up to the tournament, he had everything going for him. You know, you had other guys in, in other companies calling him out, like, man, this guy has the best promo in wrestling right now. Yeah. And... That was Kevin Owens said that. Yeah, Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. So... You have stuff like that going on for Juice, and and not only that, he's racking up wins. Right. He wins a title, and then he gets to the tournament, and it's like, dude, what the fuck happened? Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't do your uh, your title a lot, like he like he says. Yeah. Doesn't he didn't he didn't do his title any favors by doing that, and and again, it has nothing to do with the wins and losses. I mean, it does, but it, more or less, more more so, it doesn't. But again, you. Look at the, the lineup that you're in. Tomohiro Ishii in this night, but Minoru Suzuki, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi. These are some big time players here, and you 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 come out in a very meh performance. <laughs> Cause it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the worst. All right, right. But it was just like you you didn't really impress me. Exactly. And you had those types of guys. It's like, dude, step your game up. Step it up. Step man. it up, man. Toriano versus Kenny Omega. No one saw this coming. I sure as hell didn't see it coming. I do like your your theory about um, this is the company's payback for what Omega said about the Japanese yeah, roster. I'm not a fan if that's the case, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I can see it. I mean, it was, like I said, it was cool the way they set the match up and, and how, how it went down. He wins by pin, too. Yeah, he won by a pin. And and it's like, okay, you know, sure. Um, it, this happened, and, you know, let's move on. But, um, yeah, it was just completely unexpected. I, I The whole match, I'm like, there's no fucking way, even with all the bullshit going on, that Kenny Omega's going to lose. And then he loses. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and all I could do was sit there and laugh. Yeah. Um, uh, you have Tamatango defeating Kota Ibushi by a pinfall. Again, uh, another another match where it didn't get its 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 just due. I wish they had more time. I wish they did more with the match. Um, but more importantly, here the main event for the night: Stablemate versus Stablemate. Tetsuya Naito and Sonata yeah. of Los Ingobernables de Japón. And this one this one was, again, also interesting because of the way it was built up. Yes. You had the uh, the the shunning of uh, of Naito and his, his little fist bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonata refused to do it to him, and, and that's kind of what started it all. And there was a little healthy competition between the two. But you know what, man? I, I don't know how you perceive this match, but to me, it was underwhelming, man. I expected so much more from this match. 
and I didn't get it. You know what? I, I, I can see that. I To me, to me, it was one of those things where I don't know if it was if they put the, 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 the spot where, I don't know, maybe this doesn't make any sense. Maybe this is me just spitballing here, but <laughs> it's, it's almost like neither guy was willing to go the extra mile to get themselves over. Yeah, like it was all about get, like they were willing to get the other guy over, but it's like nobody really took the extra extra mile to get themselves over because you have this, especially Sonata. Yes. Sonata has the the golden opportunity to go up against the the leader of Lij Tetsuya Naito, and obviously he's going to lose this match. He knows that going into it, but you have the opportunity to step your game up, and not to say that like I need to outshine Naito, but I need to prove that I belong. In the same sentence as Tetsuya Naito, and and that's two completely different things, right? Yeah, and it just didn't show it that way, and and it's it's almost like Naito didn't do the best he could to like outshine his <laughs> essentially protege in a sense. So yeah, I agree. Um, I I dug the match. I mean, this is definitely one of those things that. Uh, you know, the wife knew for for a fact that, like, this was a match I was looking forward to because she saw it when, when Naito got shunned from the, uh, the fist bump. And she's like, oh, man, your boys are going to have to go at it. And, I, and I'm explaining to her, like, this is what the G1 does. Yeah. This happens every year. Any kind of tournament where you have like this, you're going to have stable mates go at it. Sure. And that's 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 part of it. But, yeah, it, this was going to be a really interesting thing because Sonata, he has that lone wolf style persona to begin with Mm -hmm. and now it's just like now he's in this tournament and it's just it's i thought i thought things were going to get a little more extreme not saying it's going to be a hardcore match but or like a jay white situation but like i thought things were going to get a little more intense yeah and it just it yeah it it didn't quite do that overall i liked the match didn't hate it but uh it could have been more and i certainly it, it left you wanting more but because they just didn't fully deliver the package, yeah, and that's again it was it was a it was a good match. I'll give it that, but man, it could have been a lot better. Could have been a lot better. Yeah, night seventeen is an A block night that happened on Friday, August tenth. Tanahashi goes to a time limit draw with Kazuchika Okada. To begin the show. Which, for those who don't know, that's 30 minutes. Yes, 30 minutes. 30 minute draw. So, that's that's how the show opens. You have Toji Makabe defeating Michael Elgin. You have Evil defeating Jay White. You have Yoshihashi defeating Hangman Page. And Minoru Suzuki defeating Bad Luck Fale via DQ. Uh, you know what? I got I got that wrong. I believe Tanahashi and Okada were the, the main event. They main event. Yeah. Yeah. I read the card backwards. <laughs> Suzuki and Fale, again, man, such a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's cool. Fine, have have the OGs come and, and start some shit, but let these two just beat the piss out of each yeah. other. I was I was looking for something along the lines of Suzuki and Yanu in that bull rope match. Yeah. That, oh man, I was looking for a fight like that, and I didn't get that, man. You, you know what, there's no point anymore. There's no point anymore because both guys are out of the tournament. They, they're they not going to win. You know, at, at going in, Fale had six points, Suzuki had eight points. 
You're not. Nobody's gonna win this this fucking tournament. So just let them do it. There's no there's there's no storyline purpose well, for the OGs to come out and do that. I I I sort of agree with you. Because you're right, there's no, you know, they're both mathematically out of the tournament. Let just let them go, let them go ham on each other, right? But there is kind of a storyline that they could still do. You still let the OGs come out because the OGs, look, we don't give a shit. We're 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 defying the authority of the organization and the whole nine. And the story there is Minoru Suzuki's not gonna fucking take their shit. And let him deal with all of them. In the process, Suzuki could not only get himself over, but get them over as well. And again, just another missed opportunity here for this match. At least for me. I just got to point out, I don't mean to change subjects, but we're watching the Raw from 98 and we have a real man's man. A man's man. Steven Regal. I, I love how he's <laughs> I love how he's supposed to be a man's man, but his fucking Timberland boots are like brand spanking brand new. Brand new, yeah. They could give us some somebody's dirty boots or something. <laughs> yeah, there's John Tenta, as I found out a few weeks ago by you. That's right. As Golga. As Golga with the fucking Cartman shirt. He, he should have done like the the hurricane or not hurricane the earthquake bounce that he used to do, where he's like kind of like almost semi bouncing around. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you talk about a career just going downhill. Dude, that mask he's got on looks like the, like they had just taken it from a piece of furniture, piece of leather <laughs> yeah. furniture. They're like, we just got this left over here, sewed up over here. <laughs> it's almost as bad as uh, the Shockmaster. Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, do yourself a favor and look that up. Look up the Shockmaster on YouTube. You won't be disappointed, <laughs> folks. It's um, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, terrible jokes aside. Oh god. Moving on. Um Yoshihashi defeats Hangman Page. After after this this fucking awesome performance. How does this happen? Yeah, I don't know. This is almost like uh we want everyone to be equal, so like everyone kinda had out six six or more points, so this was his way of getting six points. Hangman Page should have should have beaten Yoshihashi. He should have. He I mean, should have. And again, we're talking wins and losses don't necessarily matter here at this point, or professional wrestling altogether in, in certain aspects. So it doesn't really matter, but it kind of does because it just. This is one of those guys. I mean, the guys that he knocked off already. With all due respect to Yoshihashi, this should have been. It should have been Hangman Hang, Page. Hangman Page is coming off a win against Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. And how, then, how do you not... It's inconsistent. Yeah, it's, it's inconsistent. inconsistent. And it's not right. But I love Evil defeating Jay White here. That was awesome. Well, yeah, and, and, and it's fitting, too, because that sets up the uh, the main event. And it comes down to whoever wins the main event. Mm-hmm. And uh, But before we do that, I, I also wanted to... Uh, to point out because we didn't really talk about him really at all, but the uh, the Makabe and Elgin match, I, I was really looking forward to that one. wasn't the best match between the two, but of course Makabe is also an aging wrestler at this point. Yes, but uh, that was one of those matches on, on as far as the A block that I was looking forward to seeing because again two heavy hitters. Hell yeah! So you know Makabe pretty much 
performed in a way that I I figured he was going to, you know, on the bottom tier at this point in his career. But uh, had seen him versus versus Elgin because mainly they're stable mates as part of Taguchi Japan. Although I think they're both not full time members of that group. But, no, neither one of them. But uh, they usually are on the same side and not opponents. So I was looking forward to that match. But um, going to the the main event, Tanahashi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kajuchika Okada, a match that we have seen multiple times, especially at Wrestle Kingdoms. Yep. What's your take on this one? They a rivalry renewed, a rivalry respect renewed. I th- I think it was important for Okada to at least draw with Tanahashi. To, to keep his momentum going as opposed to killing it. What I didn't get about it was what what does this do for Tanahashi? Going forward in the tournament, I, you know, obviously he wins the tournament, but what, what does this draw do for him other than uh, points? Yeah. You know? So it, it, was, it was really awesome to see Okada keep that that up that you know that leveling up throughout the tournament but them drawing i i don't know i i think i don't get me wrong i'm very respectful and appreciative of their performance obviously but to me if it was all about points then fine but this easily could have been tanahashi beating okada or okada beating tanahashi well, Okada beats Tanahashi, then Okada, then Tanahashi's not in, not winning the G one. Right. So it has to come down to either a draw or a win for Tanahashi in this case. Um, I didn't mind the the draw. I, I definitely see what you're saying, but I didn't mind the draw at all. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I really don't have an opinion on that because it just I, it doesn't really bother me at all. I'm glad that uh, Okada, even though I, I I did pick him to win the block A, I'm glad he didn't win it because. Uh, Given everything that's going on, I think it's fitting again that he takes a step back. I really, what I was kind of hoping was going to happen, again, not pre-tournament, because I didn't know this was going to happen, but when everything was going on, I thought it was fitting that it would come down to the wire between Tanahashi and Jay White, if that's the case. I mean, yeah. it just it just seems more fitting. Instead of uh, Jay White being knocked off by evil in the... In, in the final in the final match, I, I think it would have been fitting to to have Jay White win that match, be put at fourteen points, and then come down to Tanahashi and Okada, and you know almost like what you saw in the uh, in the Super Juniors tournament with Will Osprey coming out during um, was the Ishimori's match. And just watching it, just watching, he, he didn't yeah. do anything in a match. He didn't he didn't interfere or anything. But just watch that match, and you got that kind of intensity of who's going to win this this tournament. Yeah, when it comes down at this point, I think it would have. And again, you, I, sh- I should ask this question, not say it because it, it's your opinion. But like, so I guess I'll, I'll rephrase it before I even say it. Let me ask you this: If this goes to that case, and let's say Jay White's on there, be anticipating watching this match, are you okay? So long as the buildups there with a with a draw then or is it still 
doesn't do a whole lot for you. I think I think I, I I know I would be okay with it because it makes sense. Yeah, he's distracting. Right. The entire tournament, he's distracting. Right. So of course, you know, I I think you'd have to change the match, the ending of the match a little bit. Yeah. But it makes sense that they go the draw. Yeah. You know, they're both distracted enough to where they're not paying attention to the time. And, okay, now it's because of Jay White that they go to a draw. Yeah. To me, that mo- makes much more sense. Right, right. And then Okada, or excuse me, Tanahashi still takes the, the block. Yes. Yeah, I thought they kind of, as much as I love Evil and what he's doing right now, I think they kind of dropped the ball at that one. I think Jay White should have won that match. And okay. then it comes down to the wire between Tanahashi and Okada. But again, Okada, or actually Okada would, well, see, that, that would that would mean Okada would be out because Okada would be at 12 points to Jay White's 14 points. Even with a tie, Tana, or Jay White would win, the, would win the tiebreaker through the heads up. Okay. So I, I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe they already thought of that and they didn't want to do it that way. But yeah, in this case, if it comes down to the wire like this, somebody should win. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It doesn't bother me too much, but somebody should win. I, I, I as I'm talking, you know, <laughs> rambling on it, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, you know, I see what he's saying now. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I agree. Night eighteen happened Saturday, August eleventh, in the legendary, legendary. Uh, Budokan venue. It's a big deal that they're there because it's it's been yeah, yeah, very, over a decade, about fifteen years. Yeah, very big deal. Uh, this was the last B block night, and you have Juice Robinson defeating Hiroki Goto, Ishii defeating Sonata, Toriano defeating Tamatonga via DQ, Kota Ibushi defeating Kenny Omega, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Tetsuya Naito. Hell of a way to end B block. And uh, obviously, the the match of the the night, the one that had the most uh, attention on it, was the battle between the Golden Lovers, yeah, uh, in Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. And you know, the, this entire tournament, there was that uh, that little breadcrumb left for everybody saying, "Hey, if we ever have to fight each other again, one of us is going to have to kill the other because." You know the match just gets that that intense, and and you know they laid it out for everybody. Like it isn't that we hate each other; it's just that we we feel the need to keep outperforming and outdoing one another. So going, you know, you get all that, and you have that momentum going for you the entire tournament, and the story's still there. And then the match happens. For you, I'm asking you personally, did the match live up to the hype? I think it did. I also. My my hype personally was a little lower because of the uh, the injury. I didn't know how 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 hard Kenny Omega could go. Mm-hmm. I, I know the passion that he has for the business. I'm not questioning that, but honestly, uh, from the from the get go, those those two went at it pretty pretty quick. They did, and uh, and I don't think I don't think it's a, they obviously they slow the pace, but not not in the sense that I. Uh, most most people would. There's obviously a ton of chemistry there. Maybe maybe we we share different of uh, difference of opinions here because, quite honestly, I never saw their their other matches. So, 
this was my first time seeing these two go at it. I saw their first match. I'm going to agree with you. It it definitely lived up to the hype for me. But I'm torn because they easily could have done so much more. And that's what kind of frustrates me about this. And, you know, I get it. Omega's hurt. You know, his, his he's dealing with a fractured heel. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... You know, for the for the rest of the tournament, he didn't let it get in the way. Like, why would he stop all of a sudden? Yeah, you're right. You know? You're right. And so that's what kind of bothers me. But I, I really dug the match. Um, that that spot where Ibushi hits Omega with the double knees yeah. was, oh, <laughs> my God. I, there's, a, there's a match that happened years ago, years and years and years ago. Uh, I want to say it was Manny Fernandez and the Destroyer, one of the Destroyers. Okay. Where, um, I don't know if the footage is on YouTube or not these days, but, uh, so what happens is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely a, 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 a bit of kayfabe here. So, Manny Fernandez comes off of the ropes off of the, you know, out of the corner and hits the destroyer with uh, a knee to the chest. And what he did was he broke his sternum. But the fans didn't know that. So when he hits him with the knee into the chest, he immediately spews blood. <laughs> it sprays out like you're watching a fucking horror film. Yeah. And uh, for a while there, you know. Because of the times, everybody was like, oh, my God. Like, everybody believed it. Yeah. And then over the years, it became one of those situations like, oh, that was just fake. It was part of the show. Well, it wasn't. He actually broke his sternum. So that was real blood coming out of his mouth. Um, I, The moment that happened in the match, I was waiting for Omega to be hurting and spewing up blood. That was the first thing I thought of, man. <laughs> But yeah, I really like the match. I, man, again, I I want to see them. I want to see them do this again, well, and, and not anytime soon. Mike. Right. Well, see, that's that's the thing. I mean, you have to remember, this is, uh, and again, I don't, I'm not talking down the G one, but this is a G one match, so you have a shorter time limit in the sense, you know, and these two guys. This is what I was talking about when we first made our predictions. Like, uh-huh. this is a match that I could see happening on January fourth. And before we get to the the finals, I mean, spoiling it here, even though Kota Bushi didn't win the tournament, and it may may or may not happen, but this is the type of match that I felt was, and I still do feel like this is gonna this would be probably the best match to book right now for Kenny Omega as champion going into Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, given everything happening with these two reuniting, what would be the only thing to, to divide them? And that's a championship. It's a championship. And, I don't know, to me, I, I maybe that's the American fan of me, because that's a very Americanized thing to do. Be Andre and Hogan all over again. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, what, would be, what would be the only thing to break up the Golden Lovers is one guy being on top of the other. Not in that sense. <laughs> as I was saying, I was like, yeah, I don't know how to rephrase this. Ladies and gentlemen, the look on his face as he was saying that is fucking priceless. <laughs> like, I knew I was fucked as soon as I started saying it. I'm like, damn. 
don't think I've ever seen your eyes go that wide. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think it did deliver. But you know, it, it, again, it's it's the the injury, it's the it's Kenny Omega, uh, it, it's it's getting it to Kenny Omega. I don't know, maybe maybe he uh, agitated it the day before. Be. You know, uh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, to me, this is one of those those types of matches that is very easily uh, could be a match in a higher yeah, platform limitless match. yeah so I, I think we're going to see that match again I hope so I, I just hope not too soon right 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 it became a winner take all match because of the the match before that yes where, where Zack Sabre Jr. broke a bunch of hearts <laughs> uh, pinning uh, Tetsuya Naito the exact driver. What are your thoughts on that? Because, man, I, as much as I love Zack Sabre Jr., I was just like, motherfucker. Yeah, I had the same, I had the same exact feeling about the match. You, first of all, okay, so he wins, right? Yeah. As much as I love seeing Zack Sabre Jr., or any wrestler for that matter, of his caliber, um, trying to broaden his horizon, so to speak, and grow and do different things. Don't take a match like this and win with a fucking move that you, like, barely know how to do. Yeah. It was like, come on, really? Like, just be classic Zach and submit his ass. Yeah. And, uh, that was my problem with the match. And, yeah, it was. It was heartbreaking. It was definitely hard. Yeah, if you say the least, man. It was. It was just like, man, when is Knights are gonna have his turn? <laughs> you know? And uh, and then, again, I asked the question: Is the chase going on too long? I don't know. It's gonna be sweet when he finally wins it. It's gonna be. I mean, it's, that'll, yeah, the, that'll be for damn sure. You know, was there any other matches that just stood out to you? I mean, again, we got more more uh, disqualification bullshit with Tamatanga. You know, I, and none of the other matches mattered as far as the points go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ishii versus Sonata was a good match. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, I mean, I was I was, I was, was happy to to see that. Uh, I was pulling for Sonata in that match. But, uh, you know, Ishii is a legit wrestler. And again, the guy who knocked out Kenny Omega finished with 10 points. So, they must think something of him. I'm going to go a little off topic here. And we're going to talk about all these disqualifications with the Bullet Club OGs. And just their overall, um, you know, defying authority here. What is your your overall opinion on this? And, and I'm, what I want to ask is, especially with Tamatonga. Tamatonga, out of out of the three of them, seems to be the most vocal. Yeah. And uh, at least during the tournament, the most defying of authority. Where where do they go from here? So, because you have, you have them wanting to do classic, OG Bullet Club stuff, but at the same time you have a a new uh, company owner, telling them like, not only will I suspend you, but you'll be fined. Right. And according to him. He doesn't want to be on camera. He doesn't want to participate or anything like that. And he apologized to the fans for having to do so during the tournament. 
What becomes of all this? What becomes of of the the Bullet Club OGs? Do we see something like, you know, is it one of those things where you just have a bunch of guys like looking to get fired so they can go elsewhere? Is that an option at this point? Is it is it all storyline and someone's gonna come back and hand them their ass sooner or later? What what is what is your uh, what what kind of sense can you make of this? So <laughs> I don't know how much I'll be able to, but I asked the same question where the the new president comes out and he says that I'm 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 only on camera because I have to be and I don't want to be. And when you told me that, it's like that doesn't make any sense. You know, you don't want to be, then don't be. You know, these. You know, I understand these guys are running amok, but aren't your guys writing this shit in? <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> so, what it what it reminded me of, if 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 it's if it's not all scripted and it's not all written, you know, those pre pre planned, then it's a very dangerous road that you're uh, you're traveling on because it reminds me of the situation of ECW back in the day where uh, essentially what they would pretty much say is that the inmates ran the asylum and guys going into business for themselves yeah and you get things such as one of the more infamous ones is the crucifixion of the Sandman <laughs> you, you know I, I, yes I, you heard me correctly oh yeah the Sandman was crucified uh, by a cross which he did it made himself by the way yeah because <laughs> apparently he was a carpenter, a very bad one, but a carpenter nonetheless. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, he was crucified, thorns and everything, uh, fucked up. But uh, and you know, and, and then Kurt Angle was on that show, and he, they were going to sign him. Kurt Angle, right off of the nineteen ninety six Olympics, you know, he was going to dive into professional wrestling. Hot property, man. They, he was looking to do business with ECW. And he was at that show, and he's being a God-fearing man, left. Yeah. And said, I don't want any part of this garbage. <laughs> According to Kurt Angle, says, I don't even want my name to be on, on anything to do with you guys. And Paul Heyman apologized up and down and insisted he knew nothing about it. But like Kurt Angle says, like, if you don't know what's going on in your own company, you're an idiot. So I, I use that example because that's what I'm saying here. You know, obviously, you don't control Twitter, and obviously, your guys are allowed to do a lot more on their Twitter accounts than WWE guys are, mm-hmm. supposedly. You know, that's when you got the Tomatonga bashing guys, you know, in the United States military, as we <laughs> talked about on the show. That was horrible. You know, I mean, just some things that you just you really shouldn't be doing, especially when you're representing a business. Especially representing the business that's trying to move its product here in the United States, uh, at least for, as far as getting to the fan base, and but you, as far as the what's going inside that ring, I'm still assuming that the powers that be that is the New Japan Pro Wrestling writers and uh, the staff, the the, the, the management, uh-huh. they're still knowing what's going to happen. They're still writing, hey, this is how we're going to do this match. So I don't believe the president and what he says, at least as far as 
my background in professional wrestling, and again, I'm not the be-all, end-all by any means, but my background in professional wrestling says that was kayfabe, what he said, and he's on TV as an authority figure on purpose. And that's where I stand with that, because I, I don't, nothing else makes sense. You really don't know what's going on. You're really fearful what these guys are going to do. I don't see them looking to leave the company. Because quite frankly, if that was the case, then Tomatonga would watch his mouth a lot more. Because you're not really welcome in a lot of other companies. If you and and I know there's other there's other heroes out there, and you know we talk about Sammy Callahan a lot, but even Sammy Callahan hasn't gone as far as Tomatonga has gone as far as some of the shit that he said. It's very true. As far as his actions in the ring, that's totally different. But again, that's still on his side of the fence. Right. Compared to, again, telling somebody in the military that he should be the one that's dead. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> you know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's fucked up, to say the least. And I'm not saying that nobody's going to take him because of that, but you're making it harder for yeah. yourself by doing that and saying, you know, look, you got too much heat, the wrong kind of heat. Yeah, the wrong kind of heat. And it's like, I don't want any part of that. I, I just don't. I, I don't need, you know, fucking people coming up, knocking on my door, and you you know, you know, hired this this guy, and he said this to this guy. Like, this is too much. <laughs> this is too much. I don't, you know, me, if I was a booker, it's just like, even, even if I was a small-time independent booker, it's like, do you, can you afford to have that kind of heat? So I don't see them looking to go anywhere else, at least not now. Okay. Um, I, I, I see them prolonging this uh, this whole thing with the Bullet Club for a while. And, you know, why would you leave? You have the Bullet Club name again. And it's still a hot commodity. And you what they did at the, uh, the G1 special in, in San Francisco... What that did was say, look, there's more to the Bullet Club, if, in case you forgot, than Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And certainly, Smarty Skrull, who I feel Tomatunga's ten times better than, personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you know, Cody and, and this and that. And it's like, there's a lot more to the Bullet Club than there's those guys. You know, you got Taiji Ishimori on their side now, as we saw in, uh, in, in Night 19. You know, legit fucking performers. And they have, again, the Bullet Club name. You leave New Japan, you leave the Bullet Club behind. Um, unless you work for, like, you know, go to Ring of Honor or something like that. So I don't see that being a thing either. So I guess this whole long tangent is me saying that everything that... I don't know the president's name right now. Or the CEO, whatever he's called. Uh, his name. But uh, that he is speaking out of character and uh, I just I don't I don't buy it as being a legit angle personally the only other thing I would add to this is I can't wait to a world tag league to see the gorillas of destiny just kick a lot of ass they, they run the table I mean I know we got some time and that's that's a winter thing it is a winter thing but uh, the, I don't know if they run the table but they're looking damn good man they got their shit together. That, that's that's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope because let's hope that they're not 
more bullshit like DQ levels all the time. <laughs> you know? Let's see some legit fucking work here. Legit finishes. Well, you know what? Not, not, um, you know what? You're right. Because uh, maybe they're still not going to give, give a shit about accolades and titles. So we'll see. We'll see if they even care about World Tag League. Yeah. I digress. On to the finals. Night 19 happened August 12th in, again, in Budokan. And uh, your final... Hiroshi Tanahashi from Block A defeating Kota Ibushi from Block B via pinfall to win the 28th annual G1 Climax. Your thoughts? Wasn't my pick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like being wrong. (laughs) No, um, first of all, hell of a match. Hell of of a match. Absolutely, man. Um... Congrats to Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace. You know what? It's 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 again. It's it's one of those things where that guy just doesn't seem to ever like age in that sense. And you know, I I've heard some people already say like, oh wow, I'm surprised that he won because he's one of those aging guys now that's you know doesn't retire. And someone even put him in the same sentence as Yuji Nagata, and it's like, well, look, he's not there yet. No, you know, he's not. He's got, he's got more years under his belt before he reaches that level where he's, you know, just strictly wrestling with the young lions. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think more so than any other time in the tournament, after the first match against Suzuki, where Suzuki just beat the piss out of him. Yeah. I really thought they were just going to set it up like, hey, this is him. He's battered and bruised. This is his excuse to not win this tournament. Yeah. I really thought that, man. And for him to bounce back and, you know, not only uh, win in... Um, he won the rest of his matches besides yeah. besides the, the last one against Okada, which he didn't lose that one either. Right. I mean, he just he went on a tear, and it was like, holy shit. Like, he could win it, and then he wins it. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the match was fucking awesome. Again, folks, it's one of those matches... A lot of those matches that happened in this tournament, go back and watch. They're they're fucking timeless because of their performance. Yes. It really doesn't get any better than that. And do yourself a favor and, and go go watch it. Uh, if you need a subscription, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. It'll get you there. And again, 8 to 10 bucks a month, U.S. dollars. Well worth it. All 19 shows of the G1 Climax are in English. They have English commentary versions. So if you feel like you're missing anything, you won't be. But yeah, hell of a performance from both guys. And again, neither one of them my picks, but yeah. still. I got half half of them there. <laughs> but I, I, I got to ask. <laughs> so I got to ask, though. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega. Is that the right match? And Russell see, you know what? And see, this is this is uh, this is like we kind of already half answered this question from for myself during our conversation here, because right now that's not sitting right with me. And let's face it, Ace the Ace has put this company on his back time and time again. He's not above making that sacrifice. 
So, are you asking me personally whether that's the match that's going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom? Because if you are, my answer is no. Okay. That is not the match that's going to happen. I think they're going to put someone up against Tanahashi before January with that title shot on the line. And he loses it. I just don't know for sure who it is. It's either going to be Jay White or Tetsuya Naito in my mind. And if I have it my way, Jay White takes it first and then Tetsuya Naito takes it second. And then we get to see Naito versus Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. Is there any, in your opinion, is there any chance of, of Kota Ibushi getting in that mix? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously he's the runner-up here in the tournament. Right. And, you know, it's not like he had a shit tournament, so... Yeah, say, um, say that again. Especially with the whole Golden Lovers point of view you brought yeah. up earlier. Right. And if you remember, I called Omega winning the title yeah okay the other part of that still has not come true and that is uh, as far as him and Ibushi go being the golden lovers let's face it I mean if we're keeping tabs here he owes him a receipt who's not to say that uh, Ibushi's whole part in all this is him costing Kenny Omega the title at Wrestle King that's a good point so but let me ask you this, though. Tanahashi, Abushi, Jay White, or Tetsuya Naito. If you were to, let's say this was video game style, and you got to pick the opponent. You can throw storylines in there if you want. You don't have to. Who's the guy... That you want to, that Kenny Omega to face Tetsuya Naito. Tetsuya Naito all day, all day. And we're you and I are both in the same uh, agreement that Kenny Omega is going to hold on to that title until at the very least January fourth. Yes, and it makes sense. So Tetsuya Naito versus Kenny Omega. That that's to me is is it. And but it leads to some very interesting complications that I don't want to dive too much in because we've done it before, but. You know, a lot of people are saying Kenny Omega is not going to be champion because of the whole contract situation, but his contract ends at the end of the month. Yeah. Man, if he loses that title at Wrestle Kingdom, it's going to turn a lot of stomachs because it's like, okay, he dropped the title. Now what? What's he going to do? And being Kenny Omega, I can see him fucking with people too. I, I think it's it's the perfect breeding ground for such a situation. Mm-hmm. He loses the title. In my mind, he loses the title. His contract's not up until the end of January. Of course he's going to fuck with people. Yeah. How many times... Do you remember when he was uh, in talks, uh, or, or supposedly in talks, and he was supposed to show up for a Royal Rumble? Yeah, that was just a couple years ago. And so that's all that's going on, and that whole time, he's on Twitter, you know, being cryptic yeah. and, and things like that, and... <laughs> you know, and then come to find out, like, he did actually talk to them, but yeah. he decided that he wasn't going to go because right. he wants to be the best pop machine. I think <laughs> if he loses against Naito... Or anybody. In this or, or anybody in this scenario, yeah. yeah. They're going to... They've already said, both Ring of Honor and New Japan, 
they both said they're going to do whatever it fucking takes right. to keep these guys there working with them as opposed to going to the WWE. I wholeheartedly believe that that it will pan out that way because, yeah, there's a lot of money involved with Vince McMahon and the WWE, but I think if anybody is going to turn this kind of money down, it's going to be these four guys. I really do wholeheartedly. I believe that. I know there's people out there like, oh, you're you're fucking full of bullshit. If you want to peg me as such, peg me as such. Well, I also too, I still feel there's more money to be made outside of WWE. There is. They're making they're making plenty of money and and to work less to work less. And guess what? They the amount of control that they would lose. All you know, of it. All, yeah. <laughs> All of it. So, I, I you know, I, again, I hate to burst a lot of people's bubbles, but th- that's how I feel. I think they're going to stay, and I think this this whole Omega losing the title in January is going to give give them the perfect opportunity for him to take time off to heal, yeah, and and what have you, just like he did, um, the Wrestle Kingdom from a few years ago. He had that fucking awesome match with Okada, fucked up his back on that table spot, and yeah. he took like a month off. Right. I, I, I think it happens the same fucking way. Maybe he doesn't get hurt, but he still takes that time off, time to help renegotiate a deal, work out some kinks, and then he comes back and, and gets whatever the fuck he wants, including a trip to the garden to be a part of that super show. Yeah, history. So, um, one one more last question about this, Kota Bushi. How much, if any, how much of a role does he play in, in Kenny Omega staying? Or does that not affect? I'm sure there's a little bit, especially if they, you know, if if especially if Abushi is the reason he loses the heavyweight title at Russell Kingdom. Yeah. You take you have him take time off to you know collect his thoughts and whatever and heal up or whatever and then when he comes back, it's the beginning of like fucking all in all out warfare between the two of them. And dude, what you mean to tell me? Self. You, yeah, you you mean to tell me no one would be excited to see that that story build up from the time he comes back all the way through uh, April. Yeah. When that supercard show is. Yeah. Dude. Abushi versus Omega at the Garden. At the Garden. You know, fucking, you know, give them like no time limit or whatever stipulation you want to do to add to the attraction. I think it, I, I agree with you. I think it sells itself. And again, do it may, at the garden. maybe it's just me watching too much <laughs> wrestling, but, you know, I, I don't get them all right, but. How many of you out there were on the same side as me when I called that Omega match with Russell Kingdom? So, I got a little cred. Yeah? I got a little cred. Yeah, I, I tend not to, to argue with you. <laughs> not that I want to in this case. <laughs> but um, there's going to be so much more we're going to talk about throughout the rest of this year. Going into January, going into that, all these negotiations, all that stuff. And I don't want to take away from the Thunder that was the G1 Climax 28. Overall thoughts? Um, you know, 
I've I've sat and watched um, previous editions of the G1 Climax, and I gotta say this this is definitely one of my favorites. Um, maybe not my most favorite, but this right. is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, and I I really implore everyone listening. Again, you don't have to go get a subscription from us. You know uh, that they're not one of our sponsors. Nope. Um, that's kayfabe right there. <laughs> um, we don't get anything from it um, other than the satisfaction that other people are out there enjoying New Japan Pro Wrestling like we are. So if you want to go grab your subscription through us and, and uh, just, you know, uh, register a few clicks on our website, I mean, that always helps, but we don't get paid for it. And you can do that at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. You'll find all the information there. That's the G128 for me. Yeah, it was definitely fun to watch the vast majority of these shows. Um, just like just like how, it all, how it's always been for me, too, man. It was such a great, great escape from everything that was going on in my personal life at the time to be able to watch this kind of wrestling, see that passion. That that's in there, with with all twenty guys, you know, even the goofball Toriano, you know, <laughs> to see that that style of wrestling, man, it's fuck. It was it was it was, it was such a great relief, man. Um, congrats to Roshi Tanahashi, the Ace. Yeah, congrats, he, Ace. Yeah, he wasn't my pick. He beat my pick actually. Kota Bushi was my pick, yeah. and but uh, man, it, it's really cool to see Tanahashi in the spot right now. I don't know personally if I want him to lose that title shot just because of the traditional fan of me. It's like I, I don't like defending title shots. I just I've never been a fan of that. But it's going to help westernize their product. It's going to help westernize their product, and, that, that, and that's why I agree with what you're saying. And because I wasn't a fan when they did it last year. I mean, I know Nitro still held on to it, but it was like. You know, maybe you have a briefcase and all that stuff. It's like, yeah. Looks awfully familiar. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, overall, I mean, no matter what happens, Tanahashi cannot, they can't take the G1 away from him. And, you know, congrats to him on that. So, again, to, to, to sound extremely cheesy here, but yeah, anybody that watched the tournament is a true winner. Yeah, you get you get all these styles of, of professional wrestling all in one. Yeah, we, we kind of picked at some parts where we didn't like all the disqualifications and all that stuff. But overall, you had really, really good wrestling. And you can't really, even if you pick things that you didn't like or don't like oh, as, as a whole, it was, a, it was a fantastic thing to watch. And I implore anybody out there, especially, especially you, you WWE marks, they are tired of, of the product. I don't like this product. I am telling you right now, there's so much great shit out there. The G1 Climax will change your life, man, if if, uh, if you don't know about it already. So <laughs> get yourself a subscription. Again, we're not getting paid to say this. We're not... We don't get... We don't, we don't have that kind of connection with New Japan. We're just fans yep. that support New Japan, have been for, for a number of years, and it... It's because of stuff like the G1 that uh, that can make us continue to support that product. So, uh, congrats to all twenty guys in that tournament, man! It was it was a hell of a show. Congratulations! 
And on that note, we're gonna we're gonna end the show. We're gonna end this episode, episode twenty seven. Thank you for hanging in there. This is kind of a long one. But uh, catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20crew. Come talk to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash 20x20talk. You can hate tweet us on Twitter at 20x20crew. Right on. Uh, catch us on Instagram. Remember, we got the Instagram uh, promo coming up hap- in, starting in September 2nd. Sunday, September 2nd. The night after All In. You um, want to win free stuff? All yeah. you got to do is just have an Instagram account. And like our page. Yeah. Follow our page. And you can get more information for that. Um, first of all, our Instagram is at Instagram.com slash 20x20crew. Uh, but also, you can find more information on the promo, the contest, at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Instagram. Uh, we are, we're also on YouTube looking for subscribers. You know what? I offered a fucking ticket to All In as part of the subscription drive for YouTube and we didn't get shit. So I don't know what you people want. <laughs> I really don't. But uh, we could always use more YouTube followers. We do have exclusive content on there in the form of the following contest where we fantasy book stuff exclusively on YouTube. Again, check us out on YouTube at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash YouTube. It'll bring you right to the channel. You can subscribe. Hit that subscribe button for us. So you can uh, stay up to date on fantasy bookings and come discuss the stuff with us. We just want you to to love wrestling just as much as we do. Simple yeah. as that. And then, of course, our home base on the internet is 20x20crew.com where you will find past episodes and uh, links to merch and, uh, you know, subscriptions and, and the whole nine. And anything and everything we have to offer is right there on our home base, 20x20crew.com. So until then... This has been Matt along with Joe, and we will see see you in the ring. ring.